You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Well, hey there, all you tri-freaks and geeks, and welcome to another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we cover lots of tips and tricks on how to make the world's most difficult and complicated sport more simple with lots of little things, including a little bit of zen here and there, all to help you keep your sanity and keep it straight and keep you having fun and getting it done. All right, on today's episode, we have an interview with Jocelyn McCauley. She got 10th at Ironman Texas with quite a remarkable finish that we're going to talk about and also... After the interview, because we recorded this a couple weeks ago, she did uh, Boulder 70.3, and I think she got 12th. But anyway, she's a pro female, and it's an awesome, awesome interview. We cover all kinds of things. I think we talk uh, an hour, hour and a half, all about training, tips and tricks at the pro level, and what it's like being a pro, and how to get it done. And also, uh, every four, five, six episodes, I need to reintroduce myself to new listeners, uh, my name is Brett Blankner. I'm a triathlon coach. I've been doing Ironmans, oh, for 10 years, 11 years. I've done a whole bunch of them. I think 15 Ironmans, a bunch of them self-supported. And also I've done an Ultraman. And that's a that's like a three-day, like double and a half Ironman. And then I've done uh, some ultra swimming, swim across Lake Tahoe. Uh, which was 22 miles. I've done a bunch of ultra running, ultra marathons, off-road, uh, which is um, mostly the Rocky Raccoon, I think, which is uh, 50 miles, even did the 100-miler, finished that. And also really love, uh, oh, I come from a swimming background, and a lot of triathletes find that uh, the hardest thing to figure out. So I've got lots of tips and tricks in this podcast uh, series to uh, help you uh, figure out your swimming. I was a uh, state finalist in freestyle, so that really helps in high school. And um, didn't swim in college. Wish I did, but I didn't. I had other things going on. Had a scholarship. Uh, well, not a scholarship. Yeah, scholarship. I had a scholarship. <laughs> very, very small one. And uh, But didn't, didn't go to that school. And then, uh, let's see, also all the gadgetry and technical stuff that makes triathlon work, all the power meters and watts and cadence and uh, Garmin's and Suntos and things like that. Um, I've got a lot of familiarity with, been doing that for years and years. I've got uh, two degrees from Texas A&M University, which is a engineering major research university, uh, degrees in science fields, technical background, uh, do lots of uh, web and analysis and digital and techie stuff. So, that's me. I'm your host. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's too much stuff. All right. Oh, and I was a lifeguard and Eagle Scout and I don't know. It just goes on and on and on. All this, all this crazy stuff over all these years if you start looking back at it because I am 42 years old. Oh, I'm an age grouper and a dad and married. And um, yeah, so you're looking for uh, the podcast that covers triathlon and how to do it from your perspective. I think you found the one. Okay, let's go ahead and before we get into the interview, cover the latest and triathlon news. Let's go ahead, go ahead and uh, touch base. What's going on out there in the real world? Here we go. 
Okay, in your triathlon news, we have Jody Swallow uh, broke her elbow a while back and uh, returned with a vengeance and won Ironman Carnes in Australia. That's pretty cool. And let's see, we had Escape from Alcatraz, which was a, uh, a great triathlon this year. And uh, Heather Jackson did not win it, as she usually does. She usually does win it. And um, let's see, but she was there. Uh, Lifetime Triathlon, uh, well, Lifetime uh, has announced a, um, a race, a tri-boulder peak uh, with a $25,000 uh, purse in it. I think it's a relay, so... That's pretty cool. Uh, let's see. We had um, Ironman 70.3 in Boulder, which um, we'll talk about in detail. That was a uh, big race. And some gadget news. Uh, Sunto introduced a new GPS watch, the Spartan Ultra, which is pretty cool. I'm uh, talking with them right now. Might, I might get my hands on one and test it all out for you guys. It's a beautiful watch. And it's got a touch screen on it, which is pretty cool. Sunto does some pretty cool stuff. And let's see. I wonder if that's all the uh, major stuff. Just lots and lots of triathlons uh, going on right now. And just lots of, oh my gosh, just lots of heat and just cooking out there. We're going to talk about that at, in detail about um, uh, how to overcome hydration and other issues uh, because of the heat. And I guess in a little bit of personal news, um, I got my Trek Speed Concept in and I got it with electronic shifting. And next episode, I'm going to cover um, the ins and outs of it, what makes it cool and uh, what's, what are good things and bad things about it, what you're looking for, how to set up your own bike. Uh, because I am setting up this bike right now to fit and to work and uh, what it takes to make a, um, a bike actually work for you and what's important and what's not. So we'll have a bunch of that going on in the next episode. All right, we have also an announcement of... Alaska Man, which is really cool. So there's a few, gosh, I think maybe only a couple really crazy, crazy races out there. The Norseman, which is an Ironman, but it ends at the top of a mountain in Norway. I think it's the northernmost, uh, it's not Ironman brand, it's Ironman distance. And northernmost race, it's pretty nuts. I think Swiss Man is another one, uh, but those are both in Europe. So where's your uh, North American one? Well, they announced one in Alaska. And I have actually, just by coincidence, been over that race course. Emily and I took a vacation to visit one of Emily's high school friends in Anchorage a few years back. And we actually drove from Anchorage uh, past Alaska Resort. And that's where the run will be for this thing. And then drove over to Seward, Alaska. And that's where the, uh, the I forgot the name of that glacier the exit glacier. Anyway, um, there's a big glacier. Uh, well, there's glaciers all over the place out there, but there's a glacier tour you can do out there and it's near Seward and it's about a two, three hour drive, um, through the mountains. And I would really call it like crazy mountain passes or anything like that, but it's quite a ways and it's beautiful. So apparently you swim in Seward, uh, the big, um, a little, uh, it's not a big bay, it's just a narrow, it's probably a 
dug out by a glacier. And the um, uh, you swim in there, and that'll be nice and cold. And probably have orcas, like killer whales and stuff around in the area. And then, in fact, I remember we were going to do whale a whale watching tour, but we got fogged and rained out and didn't do it. But when we were doing the glacier tour, tour which is only like 30 minutes away, um, there was a huge grizzly bear up on the side of the mountain that was uh, uh, lumbering around with a big fat butt. We were looking at it uh, through binoculars, and it was really cool. Thank God it was really far away. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. So then you hop on your bike, and then you bike towards Alieska, which is basically just, uh, I don't know, like 20, 30 minutes maybe from Anchorage. Um, so it's on the Seward side of, of Anchorage. And then you um, run this uh, Alaska Resort uh, trail system uh, to the run finish. And I can tell you, Alaska is one of these places where uh, they can have a ski resort at sea level. In Alaska, the mountains go right up to the... In in Anchorage, Alaska's huge. In Anchorage, the uh, mountains go right up to the edge of the water. And so you can have a ski resort because it's cold enough and there'll be enough snow right at sea level. So this, <laughs> this is pretty nuts. You basically bike from sea level to sea level and then start running up the uh, ski slopes to uh, the run finish of, of this thing, of this thing called Alaska Man. So I, uh, I give it a big thumbs up. You always got to be a little bit careful of a first year race, you know, as they try to organize stuff. But also if you want to support it, that's a great time to go do it. And, uh, don't be afraid and have a lot of fun. And Alaskans are freaking nuts. Uh, I thought Texans were crazy until I went to Alaska and I realized those people take it to, uh, not, not the next level, but like you know, to the 10th power <laughs> level. So be prepared for some really tough people out there and to have a total blast. Alaskans are really cool too. Uh, let's see. Uh, I heard that mosquitoes might be a little bit of a problem. Um, the run, I mean, maybe it won't even be a run. It'll be more of a hike. And yeah, I think that's it with all the news. So let's... Um, Let's hop on over and talk to Jocelyn. And again, we uh, spoke the week before her Boulder 70.3 race. And um, looking at her results from, from Boulder, it looked like she did just did not have the run she was looking for. And again, she was kicking ass all the way up until the run. And um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Jocelyn. So uh, reach out to her when you can and give her your support. And uh, she's definitely, definitely uh, going out of her way to um, be on the show and help us out here with all that we're doing and to get better at triathlon ourselves. So let's enjoy this interview. It's really cool. Here she is, Jocelyn McCauley. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. All right, you ready to get started? Yes, let's do it. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Jocelyn McCauley. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing really good. And let's see, how are you feeling after that race? (laughs) Ironman, Texas? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I better be. So it's been three weeks, right? Yeah. Three weeks. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm recovered. Um, I actually just got sick this last week. Huh. I'm all nasally right now. Um, I can tell, but probably you can't tell. So, um, but yeah, it was it. It didn't take a ton to recover from. Um, I had a lot of people asking me after that race uh, if I was okay. So, but. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a lot better and uh, ready to go after my next race, which is actually just next week. So. Oh, what's that? Which race is that? Uh, a seventy point three Boulder. Oh, cool. Do you think that's a? Would you consider that a high altitude race or not? Uh yeah, for sure, fifty five uh, hundred feet, so yeah. five thousand five hundred. Yeah. You're in Ohio, so what's the elevation there? About like six hundred. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah no elevation whatsoever oh. so <laughs> well, what do you do for uh can you do anything for elevation there i know a pro who sleeps in a, in a one of those uh, altitude tents yeah yeah i mean from what i understand about research for elevation and endurance training and endurance you know stuff mm-hmm. um i mean training at altitude like really only benefits you if you're racing at altitude mm-hmm. so it's the only time to really, that it really matters. Um, right. You know, so I don't have like, you know, the training mask or altitude tent or anything like that, uh, nor do I really want anything like that. Uh, and they also say that the best way to race at altitude is to either go, you know, several weeks beforehand, you know, like three weeks beforehand to be able to let your body acclimate. Um, to the high altitude or to just go in and out real quick and, you know, like I guess it's like a sh- doesn't your body doesn't have enough time to have that shock to it, and so yeah, um, those are the you know two best ways to do it. So I'm I'm going in on Thursday night and racing Saturday, and I'm going back home. So it, it's nice that way too with family and stuff. Like um, my last several races have been um, very elongated time away from family, so it'll be a good time to just go in and out and get the work done. So yeah, cool. Is it a is it a uh, high points race at all or low points or in between? In between because 70.3, uh-oh, uh, sorry, that was. That could have been me. No, that was me. <laughs> I, I was trying to get a babysitter. Everybody's baby. got the same tones. Yeah. yeah, I know, exactly. I'm trying to get a babysitter for tonight, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it's uh, 750 points. So 70.3s are either 500, 750, or 1,500 for the um, championship races. So so it's in between. (laughs) They should make that one like a 2,000 because every pro on earth lives there. Yeah, every pro on earth lives there, but not every pro on earth races there. Yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It has a good field. Um, It's not like a stellar field because, I mean, that weekend – is also um, Carnes, so there's well, Carnes isn't a stellar field for the women either, but <laughs> it is for the men. So, and then uh, Eagle Man's that weekend too. So there's there's a uh, several races actually on that weekend. So, oh cool. All right, well back to Ironman Texas. Yes. Let's see. Did Wonderful you um, did you go into it? uh concerned at all about all the course changes and all that stuff and did we able to pre-drive the uh bike course and see how bad or not bad it was 
Yeah, yeah. Like so, we I I got there three weeks before the race, uh, or two two and a half weeks before the race, something like that. So, I was able to have a good amount of time down there to acclimate and to you know get all the updates that I would ever want to know oh, on yeah. that bike course. <laughs> and um, I mean, I, I you know like Ironman athletes are very Type A. Hello. All right. Are you back? Okay. Wow, what was that? I don't, I don't know. know. It was weird. Okay, so yeah, you were saying the the athlete Ironman athletes are very type A. Yes, and so they'll freak, you know, we, I should say, because I am an Ironman athlete, um, will, you know, like freak out about a lot of just little changes here and there and stuff. Not not that it was a little change, but I mean, honestly, like I, I was just really grateful that they were able to get a bike course um, for us to ride with. Mm-hmm. You know, with everything. And, you know, I don't know all the politics and all the nuances involved, nor do I really want to. I mean, um, but I know that there were a ton of different politics outside of Iron Man's control involved with all of it. You want to, what, what I heard was <coughs> uh, some, some planning transportation group wants to push a road all the way through the woodlands. And, um, of course that would increase traffic down Woodlands Boulevard or whatever. And the, yeah. and the other side too, cause there's like two major boulevards or something like that. Yep. Because right now they kind of T intersection into something else and it's just not, you know, it's not like a, it doesn't really go too far to anything major. And the, this is the best I can understand. And the, either, um, to fight back because there's a lot of people in the woodlands that, that don't want more traffic going through the woodlands. It has nothing yeah. to do with Iron Man at all. The uh, commissioner or somebody, a politician, um, blocked, or I don't know how he did it, but he blocked the blocked the allowance of Iron Man to hold the race on that road just as a show of force. Like, I'm going to throw a fit about something. I'm not going to play nice because other people aren't playing nice with me. And my constituents, um, yeah, and it had it had to do with other traffic situations, not not Iron Man. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that it's it's the commit. It was the commissioner out right outside the woodlands uh-huh. uh, in yeah. the Magnolia area. Yeah. yeah, um, which you know everyone goes rides out in Magnolia. That's like where you ride when mm-hmm. you're in the woodlands. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that they don't really enjoy it. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there's that too. You, you know, local Magnolians. Yeah. Just annoyed <laughs> with um, Iron Man training going on year round. People yeah. riding that. And then uh, uh, cars having to slow down to go around uh, cyclists yeah. like all the time on these well, roads with no shoulder and stuff. I mean, because they were having construction out there, they, you know, because I, I was out there on the roads and stuff. I mean, there were there were places with construction with uh, big barriers and stuff, but there were places with construction on the course that we rode, which, you know, when we drove it, I was, I mean, honestly, I was terrified for my life <laughs> to be able to, uh, to ride that course. I was like, oh my goodness, we like... We're just, there's too many places for us to get smashed by a car where people just aren't paying attention. Yeah, and people pulling out onto the 
course. Exactly. Out of a shopping center is my worst fear, or out of yeah. a driveway. Yeah. I was going to say, not even just a shopping center. I mean, because there were a lot of shops that you went by, but you went through so many neighborhoods that I was just like, I mean, grandma is going to pull out of her driveway wanting to go to brunch with all of her friends mm -hmm. and, you know, not pay attention and, and stuff. So, I mean, we drove it twice uh, before the race. Um, and yeah, I, I, I didn't think I wasn't as worried about the turns. Like beforehand, I was really scared about all the turns. Afterward, I was scared about like maybe two or three places with turns, but I was terrified to get smashed and killed. So yeah, by a car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that being said, I mean, at least for that part of the race, like when we were out on the bike course and everything, I again I was really blown away with with uh, Ironman's like capacity to actually like have enough volunteers and police out there i mean i did hear that for the age groupers it was a little bit sketchier and you know not as nice but for yeah. i know at least for us pros um because those streets weren't as busy but there was someone at almost every single point of entry or exit from the course so that was nice that is really nice yeah 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 okay so let's see oh you have a blog post people ought to read because you describe really really well because it was still fresh in your memory, you could totally tell, of like <laughs> what position you were in at different places. Yeah. And for the audience listening, like uh, you worked your way up to third or something like that, right? Yeah. Third yeah. pro? Um, yeah, I was in third place. So it's really exciting. It's an exciting read. You, it was a really good, good oh, read. Oh, thank you. And uh, <laughs> so I'm all like, oh, what's going to happen next? Yeah. <laughs> because, um, yeah, you're swapping positions with people and, and uh, you're catching people and... And, uh, and then the thing is, is, um, your, your background is, uh, running, right. Yeah. And yeah. the fact that the, <laughs> you're, you're a great cyclist too, but the fact that the, the bike is shortened and now you've got a full run, right. After yeah. a shortened bike, like this has got Jocelyn written all over it. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, uh, well, going, didn't. <laughs> going into the race, well, but going into the race, you were my pick for sure to be at least podium. And you, you, were, you were, you know, you were in third, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. going on to the run, I was in third with Becca Keat right behind me. So. Yeah. And um, uh, for people that don't know yet, we're going to talk about how, like, you, you blew up, like, the last um, bit on the run. And the, um, but I was out <laughs> biking and running that same day. Oh, really? And yes. I, I went for... A, maybe like oh, wait, a 70. No, I, did. I saw your post. Yeah. yeah. I went for a 70 mile bike ride and then, um, just a training ride, but harder than I would do for an Ironman, you know, cause it was only 70 miles. Yeah. And then, um, and probably a little bit later start. So I started the run. I was doing a brick workout. I started my run about the same time that everybody else, you know, was, um, you know, Going started, out. starting yeah. to run and holy crap, <laughs> I about died. I yeah. uh, ran for an hour and 15 minutes outside, and that f the last 15 minutes of that um, was me just trying to get back to the house and not puke from yeah. the heat. And uh, I was like, I can't believe I've been doing this race all these. I've done Ironman Texas every year except for this year. And I, I was just like, I can't believe I was out there doing this thing. Because at, at my size, it's, you know, the heat is like... A lot worse. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's terrible. And... Um, uh, and in your blog post, you have a really good thing where you thought maybe the sodium in your last gulp, uh, got you. Yeah. Um, so what happened there? What was going on? 
yeah. So because because of all the turns in the bike course, and I I'm not the best like bike handler because I mean I have a background ish in swimming. Like I swam summer league growing up. Mm-hmm. I have definitely a background in running. I ran in college and post collegiately a little bit, and then. But biking, I really don't have much of a background. So I don't have those bike handling skills and and everything or just even the time on the bike that I feel like a lot of other pros have. And so I was worried about the turns, like I said, before the before the race and and everything. And my coach and I sat down and and talked. And um, so I usually do like a I do like a tube of base salts or something similar to that. And um so, you know, you have to shake, lick your thumb and stuff like that to be able to get the salt in instead of just, you know, having it in your drink or anything like that. And so um, we came up with the idea to put, you know, to boil down some salt and put it in with my Exercel, which is my liquid nutrition I do on the bike. So uh, we decided to do that. And I was like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's, you know, go ahead and do that. Well, the last, like, oh, I don't know, 20... 15 miles of the bike I was with, uh, you know, I was in a legal, very legal pace line. Um, <laughs> I have to say it several times. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Not like Ironman Brazil. So, um, <laughs> but I was in a very legal pace line with uh, about, I think there were three or four age group men. Uh-huh. Um, and then Becca Keat caught back up with us too. So, uh, you know, with, with several people and I was paying more attention because I I don't generally, you know, find myself in a legal pace line in races. Mm-hmm. Uh, in women's races, they don't form as much as in uh, the uh, pro male race. So, yeah. I mean, because, yeah, I think at Ironman Texas, there were at one point for the guys, there was like a 30-person pace line. It was ridiculous. Oh but, gosh. yeah, legal pace line. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so... I found myself in that and I was just really cognizant of trying to make sure that I was, you know, legal the whole time because I had a, I had a marsh on my tail for the last, I think 30 miles of the race. Uh, so I definitely rode a legal race because <laughs> I had her there the whole time. So, <clears throat> um, so I was more caught up with that, thinking about that, paying attention to that. And, you know, I didn't take in as much nutrition as I was supposed to during about, you know, 10, 15 miles of the race. And so, the last 20 minutes of the race, I decided to down a whole bunch of my nutrition. Mm-hmm. I've been there, done that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, you're going to catch up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm in, a, you know, my heart rate's a lot lower than what it would be because I'm in this like baseline. So, I mean, my watts are like 20 to 30 under, well, I'm assuming because I actually lost my computer on this course too at mile like 20. Oh so, um, no one found it and gave it back to you. No, I just got a new one, so, um, off eBay, so, (laughs) so, um, yeah, so I, I, my heart rate was lower, I was like, this is great, you know, I'll just down some nutrition, get ready for the run, well, I didn't think about all the salt that was, uh, that I had put into my nutrition to Uh be, you know, over an hour, you know, each bottle was supposed to be a, a little over an hour, well, like, you know, I downed a little bit less than a bottle of my nutrition and I do about a thousand milligrams of sodium an hour. And so I just, you know, like bombed my stomach with a thousand milligrams of sodium, yeah. which is a ton of sodium to bomb your stomach 20 minutes right before you're getting off the bike and going to go run, yeah. um, you know, along with, you know, like 300 calories. So yeah. Getting so what do you off- think that does? Because you, you writing up about that and then seeing what happened to you, 
uh, really made me think about it the past couple of weeks, and I think I do this too. It, it doesn't it, it draws water into your stomach and then makes yeah. you sick, right? And then also the water's not getting to your muscles like it should. Exactly. Yeah. So, but so you do also absorb some of that sodium, and so really what you're doing is you're just you're waterlogging yourself like crazy. So yeah, you know, I just had like. I was drinking water, but I really wasn't excreting water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so at the, at the end of that race, I was the puffiest, like I had ever seen myself. I mean, like my watch was a tourniquet on my wrist. Like it mm -hmm. was just like, it was so weird because, because of all of that salt that I had consumed and then just drunk water throughout the course. Like I don't really do Gatorade or anything like that. And so I just drank a whole bunch of water throughout the course. So so going back, like we've we've decided with lots of different things that uh, you know, one, don't don't uh, bomb your stomach with all that sodium. But right. then uh, then I'm changing what I do for the for the run because I typically I just do something like base salts and then um, do water along uh, yeah. course. I don't do any Gatorade or anything like that. And so instead of just doing you know like a hypoosmolic, you know, concentration water, I'm going to do Gatorade as well as water. So I'll do, you know, I even like came up with this whole thing. Like when I come into an aid station, I'll grab a, grab a cup of water, you know, at the first place, drink it. Then I'm going to grab a Gatorade in the middle because that's usually where they have the Gatorade. And then at the end, I'll grab water, ice or sponge or whatever they have to dump over me to cool me down if it's a hot race and stuff. So uh, I'll, um, all the interviews I've done with pros over all these years, so many of them do that. Yeah. They've got really awesome, complicated, incredible, sponsor-laden, like, bike nutrition, right? They're like, I do this, yeah. and then this bike. And I go, okay, what about the ride? And they go, oh, I just grab Gatorade and water. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a, a cup of each, uh, and maybe two cups of water on the run, uh, you know, per aid station. And I go, really? And they go, oh, yeah, it works great. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. really? That's after your uh, first endurance and infinite and like all this other stuff on the bike, you just go right to the most simplest thing, gay, right? And he, they're like, yeah, because you're you're going so hard on the run that yeah. you can't digest much. So like water down the Gatorade and then that's it. That's and like the Coke. most you can do. I do do. I, I started doing Coke for the first time when I did Dubai in, uh, in January. Coca-Cola. So. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Your race wasn't that bad. You don't need to be like, <laughs> I give it no. up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Coca-Cola. On the course. On the course. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I do, I, I do put in like XRCell. I'll have a bottle of it with a squeeze top that I can mm -hmm. have because they have like smaller bottles that I can carry with me kind of thing. But yeah. yeah, I mean like if you did infinite or anything like that, you would have to carry your own bottle with you and you know, who yeah. wants to do that on the run? So yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't have as much uh, control over the run cause you don't have a bike to carry everything for you. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's, let's back up because we forgot to cover like what the, uh, like the morning, what did you eat? Uh, the day before the race and okay. the morning of, and then, yeah, what'd you use on the bike and what was the swim like and all that stuff? Yeah. So the day before the race, um, 
I don't know what I had for breakfast and lunch, but yeah. for dinner, that, I, that doesn't matter that much, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I mean, I always do like make sure I don't have too much fiber or anything like that in right. my diet. Like the last couple of days. What about, leading to what the about race. fat? Do you, uh, this fat, I've had fat bother me the day after eating a bunch of it. No, uh, I mean, I, up. I don't ever like don't do a ton of like, you, you know, I wouldn't go to McDonald's and do a whole right. bunch of bad That's what I mean. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Stay away from that. Okay. Right. Um, but then for dinner, I do chicken and rice with barbecue sauce. So, okay. um, yeah, that's just my typical now. So, and then for the morning of, like, <clears throat> I wake up only like two hours before the race starts. So I woke up at 4.30 mm-hmm. um, and had uh, blueberry muffins. It's kind of what I've started doing this year is doing blueberry muffins before the race. Sounds and good. I've done that. That sounds, yeah, they work great. Yeah. Yeah. Like I make them before I go to a race and uh-huh. just bring them with me. And so I know exactly what's in them and oh yeah, things, so. yeah if you go to Kroger and get like blueberry muffins, they're like a chemical bomb of exactly all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, mine are just, and you know, yeah. freshly baked, stuck in the freezer so they'll survive and last. So, okay. So yeah, um, which, so I typically, it's around 800 calories that I'll take in, uh, before the race. Mm -hmm. So, and then, uh, went to the, uh, race site and I mean, the Woodlands is like a second home to me now, which has just been awesome. My coach lives there. Um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then Tim Floyd, uh, Magnolia Masters, who I've swum with several times now lives Mm -hmm. there and has his, uh, squad there and. And so, and then, you know, just being down there for training camps and different things like that, I've been able to really get to know a lot of people down there. And I have a homestay that I've stayed with several times that I just love their family. And so it's just, yeah, it's just like a second home, which I love. So, you know, going to the race site and everything, like I kept seeing everyone who I knew and, hey, how's it going? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it was just like a, a, you know, training day with all my best friends. So, um, uh, because, uh, one of my other, my coaches, other athletes, Matt Hansen, he won it last year. Um, so like my coach. Oh, really? Hansen's your coach? Well, he's one of your coaches. Uh, Matt Hansen is an athlete of my coach. Yeah. Oh, an athlete of your coach. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That but he sense. does, he coaches as well. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so, um, like he got, a, my coach got a VIP pass to come into transition and stuff. So that was a lot of fun to have him there and uh-huh. make sure everything on my bike was good and, you know, all of that. So, um, and then, uh, my, um, my physical therapist from Cincinnati actually came down to watch the race. So that was cool uh-huh. to see him and, one of my uh, best friends from college who I ran with and lived with, uh, roommates with and stuff, uh, came down to watch the race. So that was yeah, a lot of fun to be able to see them um, uh, before the race and out on the course and yeah. stuff. So, uh, yeah, got all my everything ready, you know, said a prayer with my uh, family and sisters and stuff, uh-huh. which uh, my two older sisters, thats I only have two older sisters, so uh, my two older sisters also did the race. So that was really cool. So. Yeah to be out there on the course with them. But, uh, so the swim, I was planning on swimming with Brie Wee. So I, uh, just made sure I lined up with her. Um, I know what she looks like because of pictures on Facebook and whatnot. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I've seen her one time racing and I was like, that's a pro. 
Yeah. 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 She looks that chick different. is badass. Whoever that yeah. is, I go, she's obviously a pro. And then, yeah, it was Brie Wee. And I go, oh, it was Brie Wee. Because I've heard that name so many times. Yeah. Because yeah. she lives in Kona. So. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, like, she's an amazing swimmer. And I've really admired her in past years and stuff. And so, I was, you know, thinking, oh, it'll be hard to stay with her. But I can stay with her. But, mm-hmm. um. Actually, we, we went out and I don't know, you know, a couple hundred uh, meters after like the first pack bro- broke away and I was still on Bree's feet and I look up and the pack had gone and um, I think it was Julia Gare that was right next to me and then all of a sudden she was gone and she had gone with the first pack and I was like, ah, oh, dang it. So mm-hmm. by the time that I saw the first pack had gotten away, it was too late to try to bridge that gap. So um but, you know, because I was like, we're, we're not going, I didn't, you know, perceived effort, you know, I didn't feel like it was, you know, too bad or anything. So mm-hmm. I'm sad, you know, someday I'll make that first pack, but uh, <laughs> that was not the day apparently. So yeah. I, well, there's some people in that first pack that are like insane, you know, well, and they're I, not going to finish the, they're not going to make the whole race like that either. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, there's Lauren Brandon who uh, mm-hmm. beat all of the guys. Yeah, the- <laughs> there was a girl that beat all the guys. <laughs> yeah, Lauren from behind, Brand- right? From like I mean, how many? How many? Uh, she swam through them and came out with the front pack or something like that. Uh, I don't think she came out with the front pack of guys. Her time her was faster time than all. Was, yeah, time was. I think it was like eleven seconds faster than any of the guys. Oh my so. god! So what uh, were y'all? Was it wetsuit legal or not? No, it wasn't wetsuit legal. So. And, um, now, wasn't there, I've read in some comments, there was like a cold section, like on the far side of the lake, there was like a spring or something like that, that was bubbling up cold water. Did you ever notice that? No, I don't notice anything uh, when I'm racing. I think some age groupers are just <laughs> out there, just like doing backstroke, they're out there sightseeing. Yeah. So yeah. maybe that was one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I honestly, I don't notice anything. Yeah. I mean, I noticed that I like, I hit a couple weeds every now and then that would oh, like get on my fingers and everything. Oh, but, and that lake's been flooded off and on, right? So who knows what's going Yeah. Happening. No, that lake is a little interesting, but. Yeah, we'll just, well, I feel really bad for people that come down, uh, not from this area, and they've got a white kit. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then they uh, they they do like there's some times where they do like uh, rate, uh, swim clinics, you know, in the lake like the day before and the d- days before, and it just ruins their kit because it's uh, the muddy water just turns their kit kind of like pastel brown. Yeah, so. yeah, I have some white sections on my uh, speed suit that I have, uh-huh. and yeah, they're not very white anymore. I mean, they're not horrible, but I mean, even washing it out in like clearing water afterwards, it doesn't get it all out. So, yeah. okay, so you're uh, you, did you come out with Bree or did you drop her or did you swim with yeah, her the whole way? I dropped her on the far side coming back in because. So they had to change the swim course the day before the race. Um, and I was sighting off of the last buoy of all the buoys and the buoys kind of veered in and then back out. And so they told us that, you know, we could swim um, just, you know, to the last buoy if we wanted, but we, you know, could follow the buoys, whichever, you know, whichever we decided. So obviously you know, swimming to that last buoy is going to be a shorter distance than swimming in and then out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as long as your buoys are on your left side, then you're legal and it's fine. So um, she was, yeah, she was going in and I just swam out and yeah, passed her 
I don't know how far out I came out of the water before yeah. her. I'm sure it wasn't a ton, but came out of the water before her and um, through transition and off on my bike. So, All right, all right. Let's take a little break from the show and give a shout out to my new favorite sponsor, Salt Stick. Oh my gosh. I am so glad these guys came along right at this time. You know, here in Texas and a lot of the world, it's much hotter than you think it is. You can go to Weather Underground, Wonderground, W-U-N-D-E-R-G-R-O-U-N-D, Wonderground for short, dot com, and look at the weather and then turn on on the graph. You can customize uh, what the heat index is actually like, what the real feel is. And it's in the 90s here in Texas with high humidity, which puts it in the uh, 110s, even up to 120, sometimes up in the summer. And it's crazy. So I uh, did a sweat test after interviewing all these people all these years. I finally decided to sit down and figure out how much I actually sweat out. I went for a three-hour ride, weighed myself before and after, and also included how much water I drank. So I knew how much was going in and measured the weight difference when going out. It's actually really easy to do. You do it uh, no clothes on before, uh, no clothes on after. You can figure this out. And I've calculated that I was easily losing a quart and a half, uh, maybe even up to two quarts per hour in this heat. And that's why I was feeling like crap and uh, losing so much weight after workouts so I need to take in more water. The problem is, is if you take in lots more water, you need to take in electrolytes with it or else the water just washes through you and washes your electrolytes out, by the way. So you need to add some in. And it's so easy with salt stick. Oh, and after these long workouts, I can tell I needed uh, some electrolytes and salt because I was uh, craving salt like crazy towards the end of the workout and also um, the rest of the day. And then that leads you to overeating foods that are bad for you, like French fries and potato chips and stuff that are real salty. So you can prevent a whole bunch of this by taking in the right amount of sodium and all the other good stuff uh, right from the beginning with your water. Now, the coolest thing about Salt Stick is the uh, capsules, because as it says on the back of the bottle of the capsules, you can actually uh, determine how much is in each capsule and then you can measure out how much you want for your ride. So I figured out uh, to try, and you can try different things and see what works best for you, uh, one capsule per bottle of water, right? And I'm drinking two bottles of water per hour, so it's super easy. That's the cool thing, that's the zen thing, is it's so simple. One capsule per bottle of water every single time, and you can either carry the capsule capsules in a um, little Ziploc bag, they make snack size Ziploc bags, that's really handy. And they also sell, Salt Stick sells um, the thing that they're named after, the little stick that you can twist out more capsules as needed one-handed. It's pretty cool. You Velcro it to your bike. I've used it before. You heard in previous shows, I used it to uh, kick ass at a Grand Fondo ride, a hundred mile ride, you know, like four something hours. And uh, it saved my butt because I was able to add electrolytes to my water as I needed because I dropped my other bottle. <laughs> full of the electrolytes I needed. And so the, uh, the little dispenser stick was super cool. It's kind of like, it's almost like a Pez dispenser. It's really neat. I wonder if a Pez dispenser would work. I've got a Darth Vader Pez dispenser. You know, its head pops open and it goes, I am your uh, salt dispenser. Anyway, the uh, cool thing is, let's see. 
You can read right on the bottle, 215 milligrams of sodium. That's really cool. And it's got 63 milligrams of potassium, 22 milligrams calcium, 11 milligrams of magnesium, 100% of your vitamin D, which is huge, right? And I saw on their website, SaltStick actually makes a uh, one with some calcium citrate in it as well, if you want that instead, or in addition to. So uh, like my buddy Gary likes to do, he likes even more sodium. So he could measure out... Um, you know, two capsules per bottle or one and a half. And the coolest thing about the capsules is they pop right open. So you can easily uh, sprinkle them in some water. I'm about to do a workout right now, and I made some homemade uh, uh, mix of Gatorade and maltodextrin powder. And to add in additional salt, I put in, uh, I opened up a capsule of salt stick and just poured it in there and shook it right up, and it mixes right in. It's super cool. Or you can take the capsule, you know, uh, Put it right in your fuel hole, in your salt hole. <laughs> and it'll work great that way as well. So anyway, I started doing that. Uh, and the runs are what's so hot around here. Because on the bike, you get more airflow over you. And uh, you don't feel as dehydrated. You don't get as dehydrated and overheated as fast. Um, but on runs, oh my gosh. So I started uh, doing the one capsule per bottle of water on my runs. And... Uh, the difference was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Huge turnaround in how I felt. And yeah, it's just, it's incredible. So Salt Stick, let's see. We've got some information from Salt Stick. They emailed me and said, hey, add this into the commercial. Um, there is uh, a notice here. Uh, so only U.S. residents can purchase Salt Stick from the website, but Salt Stick is sold across the world in more than 30 countries. They've been around a while because it really works. It's awesome stuff. Uh, people can find their near, nearest retailer by going to our main website, saltstick.com, and using the uh, store locator, in quotes, available from the top menu. And um, in previous ads, I might have made it sound like you couldn't use the discount code uh, or you couldn't get Salt Stick anywhere but the United States, because the discount code only works in uh, the United for United States orders. But that is not true. You can get Salt Stick all over the place. You can purchase it from uh, your local bike run, outdoor stores retailer, all over the world. Like we said, thirty countries. And let me dig up the discount code for you here. Hold on. Oh yeah, twenty five percent off your order with discount code Zentry twenty five in the United States. But go ahead and no matter where you are, get it. And then also mention to Salt Stick uh, that you got it because of Zentry. And they will greatly appreciate it. And, oh, you do 25% uh, off your order, Zentry25, all caps, um, at shopsaltstick.com. Cool. All right, everybody, stay hydrated out there. It's hot. Hot, hot, hot. And yeah, make your water stick with salt stick. Here we go. Back to the show. Yeah, there's all that draft. And the swim draft is real, you know? And, oh, yeah, for sure. But, man, there's also something about clear water where you can pace yourself, you know? And yeah, quit trying I, to draft off of somebody so much. Yeah, I love drafting off of people. Like, I, I always try to just find some good feet and stay on them. Like, uh -huh. I hate feeling like I'm in no man's land That's and true stuff. Too. It's lonely. 
it, well, it's lonely, and then you don't you, you like get you know your you know you're you're in your own rhythm and stuff, but sometimes your rhythm can just gradually slow down, and you're not realizing it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, you can be like, "This is good enough." Yeah, and then you're I've like, got a, a big bike ride and a run after this, so this is probably good enough." Yeah. <laughs> then you realize, no, it wasn't. <laughs> you should yeah. never be thinking about that bike ride and run after when you're swimming, though. That is yeah. something that I have really, really tried to do. Is that? Oh, really? Uh, yeah, because like it used to be like when I was in the water, my mind was on the bike, and when I was on the bike, my mind was on the run. You know, mm-hmm. like you need to be more present in the moment and really like be focusing on the here and now. I mean, my coach has said several times slow down your mind to be able to speed up. That's what you need to do. And like his mantra for me is hurry slowly. So I need to just hurry slow. I mean, yeah. That's like hurry, your, yeah, your Zen slowly. monk name. Hurry exactly. slowly. They well, name people what they need They need the most. Oh, huh, yeah. Because uh, he calls me, I'm also Taz, like Tasmanian devil. So <laughs> I am a little spastic sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> But <laughs> well, like they'll name somebody that has like a really that forgets stuff all the time. Remember, um, they'll name them like the I, I don't know, like Tibetan or Chinese like word for memory. Yeah, <laughs> and but people will be like, "Why is your name that? You're terrible at that." And they're like, "Yeah." So I never. Every time somebody says my name, I'll remember to to work on that. So what's your Zen name? Uh, work on the uh, runs great. <laughs> Runs well, runs well in heat. That's my Indian name. Because I yeah. don't. So I need to work on it. Always. Always. Yeah. So uh, you get out of the swim. And now the transition area is in that parking lot next to the um, the lake, right? Yeah. Instead of that grassy park. So I now know. You're, you're in a I parking just, lot. So which yeah. one's better? Sorry, what? Which one's better? I've heard the park people like the parking lot better. But what did you like? Um, I honestly didn't care one way or the other. Um, I mean, I remember last year it was so flooded and rainy and stuff that the grassy field was like, it was just trashed with mud yeah. everywhere and stuff. So, I mean, that, that yeah, the parking lot would be better. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't really, yeah, I don't really care either okay. way. So, so what, what do you keep in your, um, in your transition bag coming out of the swim? Just helmet, shoes are on your bike, right? Yep, shoes are on my bike. So helmet and glasses, that's all I have yeah, in there. No wetsuit, yep. nothing like that. Do you wear <laughs> socks on the bike? No, I don't wear socks on the bike, especially when it's that hot. Yeah. Just as much airflow as I can get so is uh, all the better. What cycling shoes do, are you wearing? Oh gosh! Um, <laughs> to specialized of some kind. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, specialized bike shoes, and um, on my Quintana Roo bike, which I absolutely love. So, but um, yeah, so I just put my glasses and helmet in there, and so I mean, a lot of a lot of people and a, uh, well, a lot of pros put their helmet on their bike, but I'm like, uh-huh. why put your helmet on your bike? You can grab your helmet and be running with it and be putting it on like running to your bike once you're at your bike like i don't want to have to take the time to put my helmet on and Ooh, and run out and that's a stuff. good strategy right there okay yeah save you time right yeah. transition is all about that time saving so 
Um, but, although I did run past my bike and then shoot, and I <laughs> turn around. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm such a noob right here. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> so. in your helmet, write directions to your bike. And then as you're putting on your helmet, <laughs> you can uh, get there. Well, I don't know. I must have been off in the morning because I, I always like count like how many little divisions before my bike and everything like that. Yeah, so I know yeah, yeah. this, even though the pros like are, you know, there's not too many of us, so yeah. it's, it's easier, but yeah, I was like, shoot, stupid. Um, got out on my bike and, um, I, yeah, I, the other, the other issue with all the turns was choice of wheels. Uh-huh. Um, and so because a disc wheel is going to be quite, not quite a lot heavier, but enough heavier than like say an 808 or a 404 or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, my coach and I decided that, uh, we were going to ride just a deep, um, in the back instead of riding a disc in the back, which I typically would ride a disc in the back. But he said, if the disc is, uh, I think he was saying over 500 grams more, Mm -hmm. uh, that then just the deep wheel, then we would be just riding the deep wheel instead, because you're talking about having to accelerate up yeah. all of that extra weight, not all of that extra weight, but you know, enough of it that, extra weight yeah. it, that it makes a difference when you're talking about 80 plus turns. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I was on, um, <clears throat> Contu wheels, uh, which is actually a, a wheel company that's based down in Texas, right outside the woodlands. So, yeah. uh, on those wheels, just a deep in the back and, um, in the front, I had a, a shallower one. So what's the name of that wheel company again? Because I'm going to start looking for a rear wheel pretty soon. Yeah, Contu. It's C-A-N-T-U. Oh, yeah. I saw that in some of your pictures. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, I have a lot of pictures with them, so. Okay. Yeah, so I had those wheels, and then um, the nutrition that I use on my bike is XRCL. So it's X-R-C-E-L. Uh -huh. And uh, I had 400 calories in each bottle, and then I had uh, 1,400 milligrams of salt in each bottle. So um, that's a lot, isn't it? Is that a lot? It's it, it calculated out to be like right at a thousand milligrams an hour of sodium. So, so of sodium, not just salt, but sodium. Right? Of sodium, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And let's see. So what's, um, what'd you say? It's Excel. What's the name of the nutrition? XR cell. XR cell. Yeah. And so what's their, what's their angle? What, what's, yeah. the, what's in the nutrition? So it's just a hundred percent glucose actually, but. Oh, really? That's smart. Yeah. 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 Cause that's what your um, body turns it into anyway. Exactly. So you, <laughs> um, so it's a hundred percent glucose, but some of that glucose is actually bonded with um, slow, re slow release gels. Uh -huh. Um, so, I mean, it has a lot of technology and research behind it. It's really awesome because, so, I mean, like you said that, you know, when you take in, you were talking about salt, but also with nutrition, when you take in a whole bunch of nutrition, a lot of people say that it just sits in their stomach. Yeah. Well, what this does is you're able to absorb, you know, the instant glucose that it has in it, but it goes through your stomach and it goes into your intestines where you're able to, those slow release gels work with the pH in your intestines and then also temperature regulation. And so when your body is burning hotter, so when you're, you know, you know, when you're needing more glucose because you are getting hotter or, you know, working harder and everything that 
those, um, the gels will make it so they uh, will bond to the receptor sites in your intestines and you'll be able to absorb more of the glucose. So um, again, have, you're not, you're not saying gel as in like a gel or like a goo where you tear, tear off the top. You're talking about like the chemical structure of the fuel itself of, yeah. has something in it or some of the, a percentage of the sugars of the glucose is like polymerized or something like that where it takes yeah. like a little bit longer. So you've got a mix of fast and, and slower. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's really awesome. I've really... I've honestly, I've never felt better with any other nutrition than this. And so that's why they, it sold, yeah. <laughs> they sold it, me on it because of that. Is it a scoop that. or how do you make it? So it's actually, you buy it in a liquid form already. Um, and you can just, I pour the bottle, you know, I pour it into a big bike bottle. So uh -huh. I will have that on my bike. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's really awesome. I mean, they have three different flavors right now and they're delicious. It's the form, like the consistency of like a syrup. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the, you know, it's not like a thinness of, you know, like you said, like first endurance or infinite or anything like that, that they have. It, and it's not like the thickness of a gel. It's like right in between, uh, those consistencies. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I use. And I do, uh, 300 calories of that an hour. And then I also do candy because you got to live a little. So, <laughs> and, uh, well, in training, do you do 300 calories an hour on the bike? So you're used to it or you do more or less or what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do 330 calories an hour, just type technically usually oh. like it's 300 calories of XRL and then another like 30 calories of candy just to have do, fun. Do you do like that. jelly beans or something like that? So, yeah, so I, I do jelly beans, uh, and then I also do like, just like sour gummy worms and, you know, oh, sour yeah, candy. Yeah, sour. Yeah, well, it's smart, except for like a hundred percent humidity race, like Texas was. <laughs> I, I, I'll have to send you this picture of my bike after the race. It yeah. like, I had to take my bento off of my bike and there were like these just like globs of goo all over my bike because yeah, of yeah. the humidity. And like getting all like, oh, that candy just like solidified all together in one like clump. And mm -hmm. so I learned that maybe we need to figure out something different. So <laughs> for a high humidity hot race, <laughs> it didn't, didn't so work out. The listeners so out there, tweet at <laughs> Jocelyn and let her know what you found that doesn't, what, that some stuff that's kind of like sour. So you're saying yeah. like gummy bears too would do the same thing. Like they would just melt into your yeah. box. Yeah, they just like kind of like congealed. Really, I usually put stuff in a bag, but I had to use the bag for something else that day. And okay. and so I just shoved them all in my bento, which uh -huh. really was the grossest thing to clean up after the race. So, <laughs> well, yeah. not the grossest. It was just the hardest thing to clean up after the race. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so I, I think I had uh, Sour Patch Kids and Gummy Worms and uh, Jelly Beans. Okay. Or no, I had gummy dinosaurs. That's what I had. Gummy <laughs> dinosaurs. Well, I saw the dinosaurs. I was like, oh, these are so awesome. I have well, to yeah. go. Okay. So check this out. Um, one time I interviewed, uh, oh, what was his name? This guy from Scotland, I think. And he, um, he's like the world's best, uh, like one of the world's best long distance runners. And he does that stuff where they, not only does he do like road stuff, 
but also where they run around on a track for six days. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Like, it's insane. And so he holds, like, the English or Scottish record for, you know, distance over, you know, 600 miles. Or uh, It's insane. But anyway, in their hands, they a lot of them hold something that's hollow and empty, right? So, huh. like, a little canister or something with a kind of a, just a top on it that they can kind of fiddle with to keep yeah. their minds kind of like their hand. And I've tried it. Uh, running, holding something in your hand, um, and then you don't want it to weigh anything, you know, but it's right. just something like a talisman that you can kind of just fiddle with your fingers, and it really works, and um, uh, it helps the time go by faster, because you're not quite as bored, because you're kind of messing with something, yeah. so yeah, like when you do, like, you don't know what kind of dinosaur you're going to get next, right, so you're like, oh, a stegosaurus. <laughs> exactly yeah. or what color it's gonna be uh, what is this glob <laughs> it was probably a t-rex yeah. yeah yeah that's cool yeah it was it's always fun yeah so um but yeah like i said out on the bike course I, it was great like it wasn't as scary as i thought i did uh so i have a it's called a q box on the back of my bike and it's just it uh -huh. makes the bike more aerodynamic and then it also i've put all my flat pack stuff in this little box and mm -hmm. um, well like the po top popped off of it and I was like slowly like I think it was going over a railroad track there were there were I don't know four or five railroad crossings that we had and uh the top like popped off and like so throughout the course I like slowly lost my flat pack it's like <laughs> well I hope I don't get a flat on that so did you um, know it popped off and you could just see stuff coming off like once? yeah yeah, I mean, I knew it popped off, and I saw some stuff drop out, and then I saw, like, a, a bike behind me, and I was like, oh, please, bless, please let that not be a Marshall. Please, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you're, like, littering or something. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's unintentional, unintentional. littering, but it's yeah, still... Yeah, but they'll a still get you for that. Yeah, yeah so, it's still a go penalty. So I got a question. So you're racing. Let's say the top pops off, um, but it, was it still attached? No. The oh, top so it was gone. Okay. Yeah. Now, if yeah. it was still attached, do you stop and get off your bike and try to reattach it, or is that losing too much time and you just? Um, yeah. Keep I going? mean, I just I was like, well, whatever. Like, I I was pretty sure. Like, we we did stuff to my uh, tires and tubes and stuff to try to make it so if I got a flat that it wouldn't be a problem and to prevent flat and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um. So I wasn't, I wasn't too terribly scared about getting a flat. And so I was like, well, you know, it'll be what it'll be. I'm not going to yeah. stop and get the stuff. And did you pass AJ Thomas with his, his, uh, it seems to be a ritual to get like nails in his tires. And <laughs> oh, no. did you see him on the side of the road and wave at him as you went by? I don't know. I, like AJ I Balco, said, not AJ Thomas. AJ Balco. Oh, AJ Balco. Yeah. I, I don't pay attention to anything around me. I just pay attention to go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess I do pay attention to the girls that I'm passing and mm -hmm. what's happening and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, the guys, if it's a guy, I don't, you know, doesn't matter to me. So. <laughs> you hear that, guys? No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're not impressing any of the ladies out there. They don't care. <laughs> Oh, I guess the, I did pay attention to the, the guys, like, a whole, like, uh, pace group or whatever mm. that was coming by, because I was trying to look for Matt just to cheer him on whenever I saw him, yeah. uh, since we have the same coach and stuff, so. Uh, was he, 
He's not right. He's racing pro, right? Yeah, he's a pro. Okay. So, so. um, but yeah, so, and then just, yeah, chipped away at the leaders up at the front and, uh, you know, just kept going. And then I, I was seeing my husband with my PT and with my best uh, friend from college and uh, stuff and kept seeing them around the course and they, they were giving me splits of time back and different things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, that was really helpful. And, um, and then also Zach Miller who does uh, fantasy triathlon, if you've ever done any of that, mm -hmm. uh, he was out there giving, giving splits to all the pros, which was really cool. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Um, and so I, you know, I, my husband was like, you're a minute and a half back from the next person. And then, you know, the next time you're a minute back and, you know, I kept going and going and, and then I saw her and I was like, Oh, you know, because the other, the other issue with all these turns that you're not used to in a course is that you can be, you know, like, like you said, you can be like a minute or 45 seconds back from someone and never see them. Yeah. Because you're turning and then, you you know, every time you turn and you don't have enough straightaway to actually be able to see the person and stuff. So yeah, that was a big mental game to, to have to play and yeah. uh, to be like, you know, they are out there. You know, you're going to go catch another person. So, um, yeah. So then I caught Becca Keat um, and stayed with her. I stayed on her tail for, you know, I don't know, five miles or so. And then a uh, age group guy came past us and uh, she didn't go with him. Um, and so I was like, well, you know, why, why are we, why not go with him? You know, he's not going that much faster than us. So uh -huh. I passed her and, you know, just was like, Hey, come on, let's, let's go work together and let's go do this and, you know, go, you know, on his tail and stuff. And she didn't come with me at all. So did she say anything back at all? No, she She's probably struggling or something. <laughs> she glared at me. So, I mean, I don't know. You never can take anything that anyone says or does during oh, a race. Oh, I know. Yeah. So. I'll be sitting at my desk at work and I'm having a great time work looking at something on the internet. Or something. People are like, "Why? Are you, what are you upset about? And I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, past yeah. her, went off with this guy and then... I don't know, like several miles later, well, I got to see my daughter, which was just awesome to see her out on the yeah. course. But, um, and, uh, then several miles later, I, uh, like three age group guys came, came up on us and, uh, passed us and Becca Keat had caught the tail of them and gotten a ride back up to us. And then all of us, you know, the four age group guys and me and Becca Keat kept going and, um, we caught up to Alicia K mm -hmm. and um, passed her up and then I uh, went into transition. And so, I mean, like Becca got off the bike. I mean, we were, she was like right in front of me when she got off the bike going into transition. But uh, I got out of transition before her, which is like, I think the first time that's ever happened in my life. <laughs> so yeah. I usually have really long transition times, but apparently I'm, doing a lot better on those. So, yeah. um, so yeah, just, uh, went and got out on the run and it's always fun to have that bike waiting for you out of transition to, uh, be your bike guide on the run course. So, oh yeah. So you had, um, what was it? You were third place. They were uh -huh. third place female uh, coming through, right? Uh, yeah, he was, 
he was like the coolest bike escort I've uh-huh. ever had. I mean, meaning like I've only had two bike escorts, so that's not really <laughs> much to compare. But <laughs> he was like, he like yelled at like, you know, come on, let's cheer for her. Let's hear it for the third place woman. Like, Oh, that's know? cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah, like yeah. Mr. Cheerleader the whole time. And yeah. he was like, I got my Garmin on my bike. If you want to have any splits, I'll let you know. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cool. He was like best bike escort. So, um, but I only really had him for two miles. So <laughs> maybe two and a half we were yeah. together. So, cause like Becca Keat came up on me and, uh, like ran with me for like, I don't know, a tiny little bit. And then just, you know, tried to snap the rubber band. And at that point, like I never felt good on that run. The, the rubber band snapped very easily on me that day. So, yeah. uh, so, I so just, did you feel like full or did you feel um, hollow or you felt full. sluggish? I was, yeah, I was so bloated. I mean, like yeah. you said, like all that sodium in your stomach and then the water with it, like, and it just like sits there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I felt pregnant. Like I felt like yeah. I looked at my stomach and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I feel fat and pregnant. Like <laughs> So um, yeah, I just, I was not feeling good at all that whole thing and I was just like okay you know it's a three loop bike court uh, run course let's you know get through this first loop and you know let things settle down and and everything I mean something I uh went out to lunch with Matt uh the week before the race and something that he said to me was you know like that first mile of of the run last year when he won was his slowest mile yeah. So, you know, he, he said, just take it mile by mile. You know, my, my coach always says, don't eat the whole elephant. Like mm-hmm. you can't eat the whole elephant, but if you chunk it down, then, you know, you're good. So, mm-hmm. you know, just take it one mile at a time and, you know, like whatever that mile was beforehand, let's forget that. And you have a new mile ahead of you, you know, like, oh, that's cool. Does, yeah. yeah. Like I liked that mindset of like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what just happened. You know, it's a brand new mile. It's like what people think about, you know, for the new year, it's a mm-hmm. brand new year. So, yeah. you know, anything is possible. So just, you know, do that mile again and, you know, see what happens. So yeah. I kept trying to think about that, but then also like, I mean, I just, I just felt awful. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and then it's never fun when you're a runner and you're having people pass you and, uh, other pros pass you and, and everything, but, uh, it was what it was. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to see what, what I can get out of this, at least how many points I can get out of this. Cause uh-huh. it is, it is a very high point race. It's a 4,000 point race. So, wow. um, kind of points up for grabs. So, um, just kept chipping away. And then on the third lap, I heard that, uh, Becca Keat had, uh, dropped out and then, uh, Christy. So the girl that passed you. Yeah. Broke the rubber band and passed you fast on purpose. Yeah. Now she's dropped out. Right. Yeah. That's the thing, right. Is like, don't worry too much about what other people are doing because people blow up. Yeah. And you have like, that's a big lesson that I've learned in the last several races is like, you have to, Yeah. Well, how did the girl that, that, what was her name? The one that won the swim? How did she do? Um, Lauren Brandon. Uh-huh. Yeah, she ended up 13th, I think it was. Oh, so I don't... you beat her? Yeah, yeah, she she led for the whole swim and the whole bike. And then wow. she 
She never has had a good run. I mean, she is a very typical, like she reminds me of Starkey a lot, Uh except she's like Starkey in the swim and the bike instead of just the bike. So, uh, yeah. If you spent a lot of your life, your youth getting that good at the swim, you did not run. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Typically. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's take a break from the show and talk about livingfuel.com. You know what the latest thing I've been doing with Living Fuel is they have an amino acid powder. And if you add amino acids, protein, to your carbs, it's uh, one of the strategies for going uh, lower carb, higher fat, kind of metabolism efficiency kind of thing. It slows down the carbs and then it gets you in some protein that's really good for you. Anyway, uh, Living Fuel has some really high quality amino acids. So when I finished my bike ride this morning, I made a bottle of like half strength Gatorade. That way it's not too sugary. And then um, some of those amino acids from Living Fuel. It's really cool. But I've got a message for Living Fuel, by the way. I am out (laughs) of the green... Um, the green smoothie, that's my favorite one. And then there's like a berry smoothie powder mix. It's got like chia seeds and all kinds of cool stuff in it. And also they have these really cool, um, snack bars and like these coconut packets of chia seeds and coconut stuff. I am out. I don't know what to do with myself. I want, I wander around my kitchen and my house, like lost. I bump in the walls. I fall down. I'm like, Oh my God. I need more living fuel. So if I was to go get some, I would go... Oh, by the way, they're also like super vegetarian, clean, and vegan, and stuff like that. But anyway, you can go to livingfuel.com and order their stuff. They have a, a person that works there that is big into Zentri. So I'd like to give them a shout out. They've got a really cool backstory too. So um, yeah, go check them out, livingfuel.com and show them some love and let's go ahead and get back to the show so never on the run did you feel good no and um, did you ever cramp or anything like that or not no it was just like bloated i had an emergency porta potty stop on there too Uh so um but yeah no i just was super super bloated and just puffy and just like yeah it just never felt good and Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I was on my last lap and, uh, you know, I had heard that, you know, these two people had dropped out and then I was catching back up to some people. And, and so, um, I remember right before I got back onto the canal, which is a little bit before three miles to go, you know, it's like three and a half to go. Like I passed, I passed a pro who had previously passed me, which typically does not happen in Ironman. Uh Um, a repass on the run. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm going onto the canal and, and I saw Zach and he said, you know, like I was in sixth place at the time. And he said, you know, you can go catch one more. You're looking great. You can go catch one more. They're all slowing down. I was like, okay, sweet. So I started picking it up, you know, the last, you know, three and a half miles and, uh, you know, picking it up. But, you know, at that point we're like talking about like, seven minute miles you know (laughs) like not not super fast maybe faster I don't know but um and so kept going kept going and uh you know just 
really taking it at that point, aid station at a time, because at that point, it's like you said, it's super hot that day. Mm -hmm. I was pouring water over me and just trying to like, okay, let's just get to the next aid station so I can have more like cooling effect and, and stuff. So, um, I got to the next aid station and call you know, like this point, like I said, I'm on the third lap and it's a three lap course. And so there's a ton of age groupers out on the course at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the aid stations get really bogged down and I was calling out for water, 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 and like just couldn't get any as I was going by. And I, you know, I, when you're like, you know, this point, like two miles from the finish line, you're not, you're not going to stop. You're not going to like, Oh shoot. Okay. Let's go back, get some water, you know, like, yeah. like you just want to get it done. And at that point your legs are so shot that if you stop, you're not going to really be able to start again. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, so went past and just didn't get any water. And then all of a sudden this, this, like this girl comes up right next to me, like, um, and gives me some water and it was my sister. I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. she like sprinted up to me to give me some water. So I got at least one cup in me and then, uh, saw my mom one last time and she's like, everyone's waiting for you at the finish line. Emmy's there. Who's my daughter and, uh-huh. and everything. And I was just like so excited, you know, and I was like, okay, I'm going to get this, you know, fifth place girl. And, Cause I knew that fifth place was over 2000 points. Yeah. Uh, and that was like on the front of my mind is like trying to, trying to get to Kona obviously mm-hmm. and, and stuff. So, um, the last aid station is at a pinpoint turnaround to the finish line mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's like 0.6 miles from the finish uh, something like that. And, uh, so going is through that this the aid- one that kind of goes up a little bit and yeah. then it turns around and then comes back down. Yeah. Yeah. Although I've never noticed that hill until I did a training run on that course and I was like, Oh, there's a, a little hill here. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I never noticed it during the race. <laughs> so, um, it's a great aid station. That's one of my favorite aid stations. Yeah. It's yeah. fun. It's hot. Yeah. It's really hot there. It is. Yeah. But they, they always have like people with sprayers underneath that bridge. Uh-huh. And yeah. They always like have, they have a microphone. That's like one of the longest aid stations on earth because you go, yeah. it's a pin, you go past it. It's a, yeah. It's a hairpin. So you go through it, stop, turn around and go through it again. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's an awesome aid station. So, um, so yeah, like I, I get to that pinpoint turn and I guess just by that point, my legs are so shot and I'm, you know, just, I'm pushing the pace and just, you know, obviously haven't felt good this whole run and just, I don't know, really remember probably a couple minutes of that, but I went down and I blacked out at that, like right at that pinpoint turn as I was turning. Oh, there, that's where you blacked out. Yeah. At the turn, like as I was turning, I really think that if it just been a straight, if I didn't have to do a pinpoint turn and the the finish line was just a half mile straight, Uh I would have been fine. (laughs) So. It was that turn that did me in. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I just, yeah, I collapsed and, um, I remember just like kind of like everyone around me, like not really opening my eyes, but like there was just a ton of people around me. And then, um, my sister actually, uh, I don't remember her being there, but she apparently came up and, was chatting with them and, you know, trying to make sure I was okay. And, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, I said, oh, I'll just run, run with you to the finish line. But <laughs> I kept trying to stand up and I kept collapsing. Yeah. And like they would help me stand up. But then, you know, the, like I would try to go forward and they can't help you do forward motion, you yeah. know, progress. So they would let go and I would collapse back down. And I mean, I remember, well, my sister told me later that they said, uh, does she always talk like this? <laughs> And uh, my sister was like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's fine. She's fine. And they're like, she slurs her words. Like, <laughs> and uh, so apparently I wasn't doing so well. But, you know, I, I just I kept thinking, like, I was going to get Alicia K. Because at this point I saw her. Mm-hmm. I had seen her. And I knew that I could at least have a finish line, like, sprint kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, and so I was like, I was gonna get her I was you know it's gonna get her I was gonna get those points like I just mm-hmm. need these points like and everything and uh and you know they were they wanted to pull me out of the race and I was like no 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 you're not pulling me from the race no, you, you worked know? all that like, time to get to where you are you're almost no finished. joke yeah. I was like I'm a half mile from the finish because I mean they're all volunteers and med people and you know everyone's on their first second or third lap they don't really I'm sure they're not paying attention to like, mm-hmm. oh, she's on her third lap. And I was like, no, I'm on my last lap. I am finishing now. So, yeah. um, and so they were like, no, 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 let's just sit you down here. You just need to cool down for a little bit. And because I had kept standing up and collapsing, I don't know how many times I just way too many times. And I was yelling at them, like, stop catching me. If you stop catching me, I can keep going, <laughs> which makes no sense either. So yeah you're just not in the right mindset there. Uh-huh. So I think apparently they like moved me to a chair or something. Cause I was on the course at the, you know, that whole time. And, and so they moved me to a chair and tried to get me to take fluids down and mm-hmm. they all came right back up. And, uh, and I just remember there was just like this one point that I was like, no, I'm, I'm going and I'm going now. Like mm-hmm. I just have to go. <laughs> so I, uh, they helped me stand up and then like, I, you know, just like willed my body to stay up and to start moving forward. Like I, I remember I had to physically think like, no, you're not collapsing again. Mm-hmm. We're going to step forward and we're going to do this. Like, and like yeah. my, mentally like talking to my body, which I've never had to do before. So, um, and they sent like a, a person on a bike with me, like a med, a med guy with me uh-huh. in case I collapsed again. So, not the bike escort that I will ever want to have again. <laughs> he was but... probably like, oh, my God, this is going to be horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they just thought I was crazy. I mean, yeah, I, yeah they just thought I was crazy. And, yeah. I mean, I kept talking with him and stuff. And he's like, stop talking. You don't need to talk to me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, Focus. I'm going. Yeah. Well, I was like, I'm going so slow. Like, aerobically, I am fine. My body physically is not. <laughs> so, yeah. um. So, yeah, so I just, you know, kept going and uh, jogged. I don't even know if you can call it a jog, what I was doing. I was like, it was like that typical, like, you see, like, you see and you're like, I never want to have to look like that or feel like that. And uh, it was that typical thing. And, I mean, like, I was hoping to see my family, but, like, no one one was there because they were all out looking for me on the course. Oh, really? Well, because, like, I had – they. They thought I was coming to the finish because my mom saw me a mile to go and had, you know, everyone went to the finish line to see me finish. And then uh, I wasn't coming and I wasn't coming. And, you know, so they eventually decided, okay, well, we're going to go out and try to find her. Well, 
my best friend met up, like found me before the finish line. And that was really helpful to have her cheering for me and going in. And, and I just, I kept saying to her, I was like, I just need to get to the people. Like the people will bring me in. Cause you know, like the finish uh-huh. line is just lined with all these people and yeah. that, you know, electric, electric atmosphere and stuff. So, right. so yeah, I got there and I got passed by two pros in the finish line shoot or in the finish line area, I should say, not the shoot, but yeah. Uh, one in the shoot, one right before it, and uh, so that was really heartbreaking too. So, but there was nothing I could do about it. So, and then uh, crossed that line, and cl- like I was just like looking for, you know, as I was crossing the line, I was collapsing, and like this guy ran up and, and caught me right away um, with this other woman. I just like went into their arms. They had to get a wheelchair, and like went into a wheelchair, and uh, they wheeled me right to the med tent. So. Mm-hmm. Where uh, then they took my blood pressure and it was 60 over 40. So like a little bit of issue there. (laughs) I mean, your wife's a nurse. You know all about that. Yeah, that's not good. That's really low, right? That's low blood pressure. Yeah, it's supposed to be 120 over 80. So it was exactly half of what it was supposed to be. So they pumped me with fluids and IV fluids and stuff like that. So yeah, it was... Never how I want to feel again. It was like, I mean, I, I wasn't going to die, but I definitely like the thought crossed my mind of like, I don't really want to die. Like this, <laughs> this is not how I want to feel. Yeah. And I, I just kept feeling I was going to pass out and everything. So that video of you finishing, that's still on your blog, right? Um, yep. Yeah, I put it on my blog and yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. Be on my- you look, people ought to go check this out. It, for one, <laughs> it's inspirational, but like, it's also kind of like, like, you don't ever want to be in that position again, right? No. Yeah, and no. Um, because yeah, you look like somehow somebody has like snake charmed a wet noodle into like yeah. like uh, walking, and the how you made it across the finish line looking like that is just amazing. Oh, because I still don't you are coming apart, like. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I found out that you've been like that for like, what do you think, like half an hour or something? Yeah. 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 I would have to look at Garmin data, which I still haven't brought myself to do. So. <laughs> and you still did that. It's just incredible. Um, so, yeah, uh, people are really inspired by how much willpower you had. And that's cool. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 It's, yeah. I mean, um, like I also, I, I like I said in my blog, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, I have a lot of emotions and everything about, about that finish. And like, uh-huh. like you said, a lot of people have said it's inspirational and, and everything like that. But like, I mean, you know, I'm not trying to be negative about it, but uh-huh. honestly, like I, I don't see it like that. Like I still see it as just like a, a mis-execution of my, of my race plan. You know, mm-hmm. I just failure to really you know, get all that nutrition dialed down and exactly what I needed and made that mistake of bombing my stomach with electrolytes and, and everything like that. And, uh, you know, like, yes, it's, it's awesome that I finished and I'm, you know, I'm glad that I have, uh, seen what my body can do and, and been able to push myself to that limit and know what that limit feels like and when I'm going to hit that limit and, uh, like, you know, go deep down into that well and, I think at least in my in my workouts lately, um, the last couple of weeks, um, I've done you know some pretty hard, intense seventy point three kind of effort workouts, and 
uh, really been able to dig a lot deeper in, in myself than I have been able to before. And I really think that it's because I've, I've felt that and I know yeah. how that feels and I know, you know, what, you know, where that is and, and everything like that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it, it was what it was. And, uh, I had one of my, uh, one of my other, uh, triathlete friends who saw that video said, if I ever need a laugh, no offense, but I am pulling that video up because it is hilarious. <laughs> hey, I, I wouldn't laugh at it. I was like, oh my gosh. There's that several is, different reactions. Yeah, yeah. like, whoa. It is, that, is, um, that is the final steps before you need to go to the hospital. When you look yeah. like that, yeah. the, the next step, if you keep going, it, you know, like if you had to go another mile or something like that, then oh, yeah, yeah, it would have been toast. But the... Um, I remember uh, my first ever half Ironman was out in Lubbock, and that's a really hard course. And um, I crossed the finish line, and it was a nightmare. Like, the whole run was just terrible. I probably ran a mile of it. Uh, just, wow. you know, just, uh, I don't know if I was puking or not, but just like a horrible, horrible run. Um, just a total implosion. And then I cross the finish line, and this guy right behind me goes, "Man, you are so inspirational." <laughs> and I, and I was like, like, "What?" what? <laughs> because like this is like a like a six and a half hour half Ironman, right? Like not fast, like yeah. just a just totally terrible race. And uh, uh, and my expectations was I was actually thought I was going to do pretty good. And the um, and I go, "What are you talking about?" And he goes. You looked so terrible. <laughs> and I was behind you the whole time, but you just would not stop, even though it looked like you should have. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess so. so yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's different perspectives, right? I, I yeah. think that it's great to have have all those perspectives. And uh, I mean, like the other thing that I took away from it was uh, – you know, like people have always asked me, you know, like, why do you do this? And, uh -huh. you know, what, you know, what, what are you getting out of it? And, you know, why and stuff. And, uh, you know, there's several different answers that I always pull up. And, uh, you know, one is that I want to see the best that I can be against the, the, the best that there is out there. Yeah. And, um, and then number two is that I think that God has given me this talent that I need to, you know, expound upon and also, you know, help help, you know, share his glory and, and, and everything. And, um, and then also my family, um, they keep me motivated and to be able to show my daughter, like dreams are possible and can come true and that you can do what you set your mind to. And, and it was just good that to, it was good to realize that when I was, when I was there, you know, like, you know, that half mile or more from the finish line mm -hmm. and incapacitated, um, to be able to, you know, stand up and go on my own, at least at that point, like those were the things that were coming to my mind and coming to my memory of like, like, you know, like I said, I was just thinking about those points to be able to get to Kona, to be able to compete against like a world-class field. Yeah. I was, you know, I was, I prayed, <laughs> obviously yeah. at that point, <laughs> what else are you doing? And, uh, and then I just kept thinking about all my family gathered there at the finish line to, to, you know, be there for me and, and everything. And so, um, and my two sisters who are still out on the course. And so I, you know, it was really, it, you know, seeing where that limit was and then knowing that 
what I actually say to people, like why I do this was actually, honestly, the things that are, you know, that came to my mind and came to my memory, like when I, when I really needed them to, and when I needed that, you know, willpower to be able to do it. So, yeah, I agree with you. Like I, I don't, I honestly don't know why I do it, but I, it's just the, the feeling of driving yourself, you know, yeah. and you're doing this after growing up playing all these different team sports and, um, you know, things, the team has to work co- cohesively for everything to work out right. Like say basketball or, you know, and the, or soccer. And this is all you and, uh, everything you do matters. And, yeah. and, uh, to show yourself, not even anybody else really, because, right. but to show, uh, yourself or your, your higher power or whatever, like what, you know, how much, how bad you want to how bad you want it and how much you can do if you put everything into something. And then the other thing is, um, let's say that, that your, uh, you, you, your nutrition went well, right. For the run. And now if you look at where you would have landed and this is a North American championship, right? This is a I huge know. high points race. So what do you think? Like, um, uh, your potential was like fifth to seventh or something like that. Or what do you think? If you had the um, run that you that, that you would that you could have had, like if you looked at your run time, that what do you normally run in a in a hot marathon or like you've done Ironman Texas before? So, what have you run in the marathon there before? Well, I mean, I my fitness is not where not anywhere near where it was last year. Meaning that it is a lot better than uh-huh. where it was like last year or the year before or anything like that. Cause yeah. I mean, my fastest Ironman, uh, marathon is like a three thirteen. but, uh-huh. uh, I mean, like I said, like my, my fitness and my workouts and everything are showing, you know, a lot higher fitness. I mean, just looking at where my bike fitness is, um, yeah. and everything is, uh, you know, a lot higher. And so obviously my run is going to be a lot higher and everything like that. So no, I definitely, uh, I know that I had the potential and like, I, I say that and, and now I'm going to take that back because uh-huh. I know that's going to sound really cocky, yeah. but I mean, I think there's a level at, um, there, there's just a place at the pro level where you have to have that confidence that mm-hmm. it's, you know, that it's not the cockiness that I'm trying to have. It's the confidence that I need to, mm-hmm like exude, um, that I, I know that I could get third, like top three and I could have been on the podium there. Uh, yeah. so. I think so too. And the, um, yeah, cause you worked your way up to third and then yeah. you have to race, you know, to kind of figure out and you have to race in different conditions to know what not to do. Yeah. And, and like this, yeah, like, I mean, ideally you want to keep like your fuel, your salt separate from your fuel and all that separate from your water so that you can like, you know, dose appropriately, but, but like how to do that in a way that works for you is so complicated. And when does it matter? You know, like sometimes it doesn't matter and sometimes it does. And the only way you figure that out is racing a lot. Right. Right. And I haven't, I haven't, I don't have a lot of race. Well, I don't have a lot of triathlon race experience, which Mm -hmm. I mean is a lot different than, you know, 5k, 10k kind of and half marathon, um, race experience. Which you can, you can, you know, extrapolate some from, you know, that race experience, but it's just a whole new animal and it's a whole new field when you're talking about a swim, bike and run, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that cohesiveness of all three. It just is a, it's a whole new beast. 
So <laughs> yeah, and and your your experience and you blogging about it, and you talking about it now, but especially your blog and what happened um, with the salt, the sodium really taught me something like I took that was a great lesson for me because when I was out there that same day you know working out and since then a couple times I've done some long workouts and then felt like like uh, sick from the heat but also my stomach felt full of water yeah. and the times that that's happened to me before so do you think that that's sodium like just too much salt like uh holding water in your guts or something in your stomach and then you can't get anything down I, I think so. I mean, my coach and I have uh, obviously discussed this a ton since uh -huh. the race and and heavily debated it back and forth. And um, he's a very uh, big science guy. Uh, he has a huge uh, science background and everything. So he's a very science-based um, guy. And so he's sent me several articles on sodium and on, you know, endurance, um, athletics with, mm -hmm. you know, different sodium and everything like that. And there's a really interesting one that he sent me that was talking about how, um, sodium intake does not affect, um, cramps does not affect, uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, outcome. Like if you're going to have hyponatremia or not, which that one blew my mind. Um, yeah. you what know, affects hyponatremia just, then? Um, just physically taking in too much water. Okay. So if you are physically drinking too much water, then you are sweating out and it's, you know, just water. And that's, that's, uh, part of the reason that we're switching around and I'm going to do a water, a Gatorade, and then pour water on me kind mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, or even water to Gatorades, as long as it's like a 50%, um, water to Gatorade ratio or yeah. even higher on the Gatorade side. Uh -huh. then great. So, um, but yeah, so it's just all these articles talking about that and how, you know, maybe, maybe sodium really isn't as important as we are, you know, making it out to be. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I will keep you updated for sure and uh, <laughs> let you know how yeah. uh, everything else goes. I'm going to do my next Ironman is Vineman, which yeah. starts out nice and cool, but then it gets up into the 80s and 90s. So yeah. it's dry, dry heat at least compared to Texas, but I'll definitely have to be uh, on top of, you know, my nutrition and uh, hydration and electrolytes and everything. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely, you know, I think every everyone – everyone has their work in progress, be it, you know, what their nutrition is or what their hydration is or, you know, their gear or anything, you know, um, I don't think anyone has it nailed down. And, and especially once you think you have it nailed down is probably when you are not going to have it nailed down. I mean, I think that you, er, there's something always bigger and better and, you know, that you can change and, and make better. So, yeah, especially with Ironman, well, yeah, especially Ironman races and because people race year-round all around the world. You can have it nailed down, but that's for your climate and yeah. your terrain. And then you go do it somewhere else and the fact that it's cooler and drier and then, uh, then what you're used to has you. Right. But in your habit is to drink like X amount of water. And then now you don't need to drink anywhere near as much of that water, but you're such in the habit of doing it. Now you've got to stop and pee all the time. <laughs> and that slows your race down, you know? And then you like like what happened? Why do I have to do that all the time? It's like, oh. So um yeah, the, the number one way to not get cramps is to be uh trained. Well yeah, trained. Yeah, I was gonna be 
yeah, be able to be physically yeah. fit. Because, yeah. Yeah, the, the number one way to get cramps is to try too hard. Your muscles just start sending feedback going no, and they start cramping up. And trying too hard means you're, in, you're trying to do something too fast or too long than what you're trained for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, people are like, why am I getting cramps? So I'm like, well, you need to slow down. It's not that you didn't get your salt in, right? Yeah. You what know? was your longest training ride? You know, they're like 50 miles and you're like, <coughs> that's your problem <clears throat> right there. Right, right. I'm sure there's probably other reasons to get cramps, uh, but not that I know of. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's take a break and let's talk about Amrita Bars. I freaking love Amrita Bars, longtime sponsor. I've actually been trail running with their owner, and they have a good backstory as well. Uh, they were making nutrition-friendly, nutrition uh, non-allergenic, like healthy, uh, good food for for their kid, and because um, he had yeah he had some bad allergies, and they were trying to uh, figure out something that was really happy and healthy for him. And he, the dad is a cyclist, and he's like, well, let's make it so that um, you can also eat it uh, while on the bike and before workouts, during workouts, and such. And they came up with Amrita bars. And Amrita means nectar of the gods. Uh, from, from India is where the owner's from. So it's really cool uh, ingredient list with lots of really neat stuff. And let me tell you another story. The other day I went for a workout and I ate a, I went for a run and I ate most of a bar before the run and I thought that I had eaten a squid that it was fighting a sperm whale at the same time and put that in my guts and I mean it was a nightmare and then days before and also days after I've also eaten Amrita bars before a workout and it's smooth, it doesn't hurt your stomach at all, it's so much better. And they come in a uh, really uh, easy-to-handle wrapper. You can uh, open the end of it and then take just a bite and then put the uh, wrapper back into your jogging shorts or back into your um, cycling jersey or on the side of the pool. And uh, they're, they're actually really easy to handle, and you can kind of squeeze out more bar as you go along. And let's see, what else do they have? They uh, reduces inflammation because it's low in allergens. Um, it doesn't freeze uh, if you're going on bike rides and such or runs in really cold weather. They won't get hard. Um, they're always nice and chewy. Uh, great for early morning rides. That's exactly my point is uh, you can get up and eat half or all of an Amrita bar as much as you want and then jog out the door and your stomach will feel great. It's really, really cool. And... Let's see, what else do they have? We have a discount code. Uh, well, there's a club. You get 20% off. But I want you to try discount code ZEN2016 at AmritaHealthFoods.com. And, yeah, ZEN2016. It's really good stuff, man. Oh, it's great fuel for those bike rides. Easy to digest, but has great easy-to-digest fats. So you can actually carry less for longer rides. Yeah, one bar. Oh, man, I got an 18-wheeler pulling up next to me. This is going to be in a commercial for like three episodes. And there's a UPS truck. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay, they're gone. Let's get back to it. I need those commercials from you people where you're going to record your own. I know there's lots of you out there that really enjoy Amrita bars. And also, 
Uh, so make your ads and send them in. Again, texafornia at gmail.com. If you think you can make a better ad than this, I'd like to hear it. And then I'd like to play it. And they have really cool uh, gear. One of my favorite kits to wear, and I wear it in a lot of races. Oh, by the way, my uh, I need to tell Amrita, um, I tore my jersey in a crash, and I need to, uh, I need to get another one. Uh, and I think I wore the Amrita socks to work the other day, <laughs> cycling socks. And I wear them for cycling and running, really high-quality stuff. Uh, Amrita jerseys, they got a triathlon kit, a uh, cycling kit, and it's a really cool uh, logo. It's black with, um, with kind of a rainbow-colored uh, like lotus leaf, and uh, it's just really, really cool-looking stuff. And people are always, they look at it and they go, Amrita. And then they look at me and then and I'm like, yeah. And they say, what is that? And I go, it's awesome and you need to eat it. Lots of it. All right, so go check out amritahealthfoods.com. And yeah, let's go ahead and get back to the episode. Here we go. Well, that, I mean, that's the recipe to, to, get, to get cramps is to yeah. go too far or too fast for what, than your body's been trained for. Because I've noticed that too. The, the fitter I get, the I hardly ever get cramps. Um, yeah. Yeah. And because I'm also smarter about scaling back and like not trying too hard on something. Yeah. Or I guess if you do eat like right beforehand, you can get cramps because mm-hmm. of like food or anything like that. If you like don't fuel or you fuel too like mm-hmm. early, you know, too soon to your workout or anything. Yeah. So. I got dehydrated on a bike ride like last weekend, I think it was. And I started getting cramps like all up and down my legs, like little spots, just think, 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 think all over the place. And it was really bizarre. And I was like, what is going on? And then later I weighed myself and I'd lost pounds and pounds and pounds of weight in the heat. And the dehydration was stressing my leg muscles. You know, it's a different kind of stress. It was just like, um, we're going to quit now because <laughs> <laughs> you haven't drank enough water. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, cool. Well, thanks for all the, all the, the update and like how it was and, and how, how bad did you feel like, uh, for the next few days? You said you recovered pretty quickly, but you didn't have to go to the hospital or anything like that. Did you? No, I didn't have to go to the hospital. Okay. I just went to the med tent and they were able to, pump me with enough fluids and uh-huh. stuff like that. I mean, I don't ever want to go to the hospital because yeah. <laughs> this is the cheap triathlete in me that, uh, oh my hospital, gosh, yeah. hospital bill is yours. Yeah. The med tent bill is not. So, yeah. I mean, you don't have to pay anything for the med tent, but you do have to pay for the hospital. So, yeah. um, yeah, no, never to the hospital. So, yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I that, so that night, um, I, I mean, like I said, my two sisters, my two older sisters were doing it. The, the second oldest, you know, she finished, um, you know, very, you know, she was on her second lap when she saw me. So she finished, you know, a couple hours after I did. And then, um, the oldest sister was just doing it as one and done. And so it was really fun that we got to go back out on the course and, uh, cheer her in. And, uh, I walked with her and, and then she started jogging, and I was like, oh, gosh, Megan, like, I don't know if I can jog with you. I jogged with her for like, <laughs> a, like a little bit, you know, a couple hundred yards or whatever. And then was like, see ya, I, I can't jog with you. And, yeah. uh, I mean, I had flip flops on too. So, um, 
so, I mean, I, I walked around with her and stuff like that that night. And, um, and then, you know, the next day just to- took completely off. And, and then, uh, Monday did a swim and then Tuesday I was like, gosh, I feel so like ready to go. Like, <laughs> wow. But, uh, I mean, my coach is good at giving, you know, keeping me, uh, talking like Monday and Tuesday or like the days after the race, like the very next yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, I mean, I really, honestly, I think it's because that marathon was not what I could uh-huh. do. Yeah. It was not my potential. It was nice and slow uh-huh. compared to what I could do. And so, I mean, my legs had so much more in them that, you know, it was cause it was my, like my, my bloating and my body, you know, uh-huh. didn't want to do it, but it, my legs were my legs were just fine. So, uh, you know what? I've had that happen at Ironman Texas the past couple of times too, because the heat would slow me down so much. Yeah. And then I would feel terrible crossing the finish line and have some of my worst runs ever. And then the next day I'd feel pretty good and I'd be so mad. Cause I'm like, I did not like, push my body yeah. Yeah, to like what I could have done <laughs> stress wise, like muscle wise, because exactly. I had to slow down because of the heat. The heat was killing me so much. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, like at the award ceremony, I was like in the back of, uh, of everything, like getting water and talking to someone. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden I hear my name, like Mark Riley is like announcing my name for the awards. So I was like, Oh shoot. So I like had to, like, I ran up onto the stage. Oh, I was like, wow. So I mean like, yeah, like yeah. I was, I was fine. Like it was, it was really sad that I, you know, felt yeah. as, you know, good as, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't have any soreness because obviously after an Ironman, no matter what, you're going to have that soreness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I mean, I felt, I felt good. So, um, what did you so, eat yeah. afterwards? Did you go to pizza and stuff or what? I always go to Chipotle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It's like the typical every single time, unless I'm obviously out of the country, yeah. but, um, I'll go to Chipotle. So then it's Chipotle. I didn't, <laughs> oh, chipotle. Uh, so, uh, yeah. so just off topic, but my homestay there is from Canada uh-huh. and Chick-fil-A, like she had gone to Chick-fil-A and she's like, oh yeah, we just went to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I was like, Chick-fil-A? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I there the other day. It's pretty good. They do that kale salad now. It's pretty nice. I know. Yeah. Well, and so I, I have a, you know, love for any restaurant or fast food place that will actually do a gluten-free th- anything because I have I have celiacs so I have to eat gluten-free mm-hmm. and so Chick-fil-A their grilled chicken nuggets are gluten-free and their fries are gluten-free so oh cool I did not know that yeah Chipotle is gluten-free too except for their flour tortillas obviously so right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yep so uh Chipotle for uh dinner and then went home and made some brownies and ate a whole bunch of brownies oh so. yeah yeah, well, cool. I, yeah. So what, you're going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, I, I don't know if it was because of uh, passing out and everything like that, but I honestly was not super hungry for like three days after the race. I was like, just, I usually have that Ironman hunger that mm-hmm. I just want to eat everything in sight, but I didn't have that. I was just not hungry at all. So mm. That's weird. yeah, yeah, it was weird. All right. So we're going to talk to you after Boulder when you win. Sure. Yeah. Well, I definitely, we definitely need to talk after my first win, whenever that may be. Uh-huh. It will be relatively soon yeah. in my mind, but <laughs> yeah. we will see. So yeah, Boulder and then Vineman. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks. And no um, lots of stuff in this to, to help people out and uh, especially on the sodium thing. 
Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, just all around. I think it was an awesome performance. At tenth pro, I know you wanted higher, but still, for sure, that's everybody's dream. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to even become a pro and then get tenth. And, uh, yeah, I yeah. was I was thinking the other day, uh, it was just actually very shortly after that race when I was on my bike for like the first time kind of thing. And, you know, I was like, you know what, like, we got to be grateful for what we have, whether it be, you know, our trials or our successes, because we're living someone else's dream, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. so we just got to be grateful for what we have and keep moving on. So yeah, there's something like I like you know because my son's 11 so i'm giving him more advice than he wants to hear of course and, and uh, <laughs> so it makes me think a lot about things because he does ask about stuff and it's like you don't uh becoming the best like takes time so along the way just try to be really really good and be consistent and then um if and then try not to get injured yeah, you know, and try not to make too many mistakes. And the mistakes you do make, like you learn from them, and just keep improving. And then it's the person that's been doing it for a while and kind of like not burning themselves up, right? So not doing it ten out of ten, but kind of like nine out of ten, and just kind of kind of learning as they come up, and not taking it too seriously. Um, like again, like pretty seriously but not too seriously. So it does, because the little failures kind of here and there kind of don't bother you too much if you don't take it that seriously. And yeah. then you, um, yeah, and just have some perspective and just keep showing up, right? And keep showing up, keep showing up, keep showing up. And it's that experience and consistency where then the next thing you know, um, uh, there, you know, there's the pros that, that uh, win, but then they never win again. Yeah. You know, and they burn themselves up. And then there's the pros that are, First, second, third, first, second, third, fifth, third, first, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, that's really nice to, to be. So. Yeah. 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 I mean, going off of that, like something that my chiropractor was talking to me the other day, he was like, you know, you don't have to be the best 100% of the time. You have right. to be the best that day, yeah. you know? And so, you know, just don't beat yourself up like too much and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, along, along with <laughs> the sodium lesson from this race, mm -hmm. like I, I've been doing a lot of uh, thinking and, you know, contemplating and everything about balance and like you're talking about just balance in life and, uh, and, and everything like that. So, you know, like you said, not to take everything too seriously, but you do have to take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, where that where is that balance and try to find that that balance and for success and uh, for sanity and for me and my family and, and everything like that so uh, so yeah I mean that's a whole that's a whole another hour and a half conversation <laughs> yeah. so <laughs> yeah we'll have that one after Boulder yeah sounds good okay. <laughs> cool. well it's been nice talking to you yeah you too alright we'll talk again soon thanks so much okay. no problem thank you bye bye All right, boom, Jocelyn, way to keep trucking along. Glad to have you on, and we'll talk more about her at the very end of the show. I mentioned a few things, and let's go ahead and get started with the um, 
the training log. But actually, okay, so the training log is where I talk about, I would take the microphone with me and I record my own training because I'm currently training for Ironman Canada. And again, uh, doing the whole tri-bike, mega run mileage, you know, 40, 50 miles a week. Uh, trying to avoid more injuries than what I've got. Trying to pick up the swimming because uh, I myself had a uh, broken elbow, which really screwed things up. And also uh, parenting and, and uh, just trying to fit it all in with the day job, the 40-hour a week job. And uh, yeah, so that's the training log. But before we do that, we ought to mention uh, that you can donate to Zentri yourself by going to zentriathlon.com. And there's donation buttons on the left. And actually, along with the donation buttons, um, which you can do a one-time or a recurring donation, which is really cool, we also uh, have Hornet Juice on the right, which is a really cool way for you to get um, uh, this really cool amino acid powder that you mix in with your fuel and it turns on your fat burning. It's really, really cool stuff. It's super crazy. It works really well. And it's actually... (laughs) No joke, it's actually synthetic uh, Japanese killer hornet saliva because that's what they found um, uh, turns on your fat burning. Uh, Japanese killer hornets are huge, so the distance that they can fly uh, is crazy. It's the longest, uh, farthest uh, body weight to distance uh, ratio in nature. And the uh, they do it by... Uh, burning this amino acid combo in their in their bloodstream and they um the the labs took it took japanese killer hornets and tried to figure out where this is coming from found it in their saliva and then replicated it and it works i've been using it for years they are a huge longtime sponsor of zentri and it's so cool because if you order some then you get something cool for yourself and um you get something from new zealand that's where it comes from new zealand and that's uh Uh, Something you can show off to your friends. Super, super cool. So let's go ahead and get started with uh, donations and emails I get from people from uh, Hornet Juice because they're always really funny. James Godek sent in a donation. Karen Jackson sent in one. Uh, Simon Wright. Daniel Clemens. Brett with the coolest name in triathlon. Hoyer. Matthew Heinz. What's up, Matthew? And Brian Kemper. And Todd Nelson. Hey, Todd. How you doing, dude? Uh, Jessica Woodruff. Allison Frutos, which I know I'm not saying that right. She sent me an email on how to say it right, and I forgot what it is. Matthew Froes and Alexander Bromage and M. Webb with two Bs. Tyler Moyer sent in a donation. Uh, Spiros Fetsis sent in one from Libertyville. Joseph Not Bieber Deber. Oh, this is where when I was writing these down, I started adding little nicknames in. And uh, Dwayne Allin Morin, Stephen the Commando Camacho, uh, he sent in a one-time donation. And he also dropped a note that says, Great podcast! Exclamation point. Just found you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm totally enjoying the show. Making my commute bearable. Love the combo of humor, music, and very relevant information. Happy to support good entertainment. From Steve. Thanks, man. Uh, Joseph Jetski Rogalski. <laughs> Richard Gogo Trago. Uh, James the Ripple Von Hippel. Matt Kraft from Oz. From New South Wales. And Houston Stan Darsh Marsh. He probably knows what that is. If you know what that is, 
you're a cool, you're one cool dude. And Kipros, I wonder if I said that right. I think he sent me a message on how to say this right. Um, Kipros says, I have ordered further Hornet juice this morning, comma. But unfortunately, the orders are still limited to only 20. Um, oh, by the way, I sent uh, an email to Hornet Juice asking when they're going to up that again. Because uh, it used to do 30, 60, and 100. And right now they're doing 20. And they said uh, within the month they're going to change that back. Uh, it may be worth considering on your website a monthly repeat order. You're addicted. So that this process can be automated as, to be honest, 20 isn't enough. I would like to be able to order 100 every month. <laughs> But that's not yet available. Alter- I swear I didn't pay for this. I didn't pay for this review. Uh, available alternatively, I go back on your site and order five times, which would be bind. I don't know. I don't know what what that means. Any chance of a reorder system being made available on your site? Oh man, I don't think so. Uh, that would be cool, but I'm not quite there yet. And also greater quantities, please. Like I said, um, hundreds are coming back soon. Uh, on my last order, I let you know I qualified to compete in the biathlete, biathlete uh, World Series for Team Great Britain as a Masters A, which was last weekend. Great Britain sent 58 athletes to complete to compete in biathlete biathlete uh, run swim run. Oh man, I would be so good at that. Uh, and triathletes shoot, swim, run, and repeat four times. Uh, the facilities were amazing, and it was extremely well organized. And uh, Princey's picked up straight from the airport, taken directly to our hotel, picked up in the morning, and dropped off to the venue and returned later to the hotel. Period. In Princey's. Um, as it was Austria, this was an outdoor pool. Oh, gosh, I so bad want to do a British accent. I don't think I'll do it right as opposed to a sea swim and a track run and an amazing pool. A 50-meter stainless steel pool with water so clear it was like flying. No, I'm starting to go Australian. Never mind. I'm going to give it up. Uh, you hardly notice the temperature. For the first competition ever, I wasn't nervous the night before about competing. I was excited. I wanted to compete. Too much so and got no sleep. Smiley face. Any suggestions for keeping calm? Yeah, ashwagandha is uh, a relaxing herb that you can find, and it's not banned or anything like that. I take it every once in a while. That really seems to uh, relax and soothe and does not upset the stomach. It doesn't seem to do anything except relax you. It's pretty cool. And uh, your energy, uh, your nervousness, that just means that that this is important to you. And that uh, a little bit of nervousness is good. Keep telling yourself that because that'll keep you from forgetting things. Um, if you get lazy and you keep doing the same race all the time, you'll start forgetting stuff. If you, you'll quit caring as much and the little details you'll forget. So being nervous keeps you on task. So nervousness, nervousness is actually a little bit of a good thing. Um, having let out the race from the start... Halfway through the run, I was a couple of seconds behind the current and three times World Series champ. Oh, man, that must be exciting. At the swim, I entered in second and pulled away from those behind, feeling really strong in the swim. This is because of Hornet Juice. I just know it. Uh, great transition and extended my position, feeling finishing second place. Stoked, you could say, double exclamation points. Oh, and by the way, I listened to your podcast the night before the race, parentheses twice, and I didn't feel sleepy, LMAO. 
<laughs> so I get a lot of emails I don't read on the air that my voice is uh, soothing to people. I can just I could do a, a podcast where I just read like an uncopyrighted book, like uh, Moby Dick or something like that, and just talk, and people uh, get relaxed, and um, and uh, everything's okay. It is okay. I'm here to tell you everything's okay. Don't worry about it. And yeah. So uh, sometimes I joke that I might put somebody to sleep, but um, I don't really think that's a problem. Let's try, let's try a cool, smooth breath uh, here for a while and see if it's relaxing. Uh, this weekend is the second of the Great Britain series in Cheltenham, and in a month, the European champs really do need sleep tips through the night before. Oh, well, one thing is you could deprive yourself of sleep a little bit, like get up really early that morning and then by the time uh eight nine o'clock comes around you're so tired you you definitely want to sleep and then um back off the caffeine after uh noon and yeah you'll start getting pretty sleepy love the podcast and all the coaching tips and tricks and rock on hornet juice will you do any podcasts on core work in addition to swim run cycle nutrition and psychology I do all those things already. Uh, here, do this. When you go run, this is for everybody. When you go run, stop every mile and do a set of push-ups and do a set of air squats. Like so many that it burns. And then uh, every time you run past a, you do that every mile, no matter who, who's looking and just don't give a crap about what other people are doing because you're going to get all ripped and buff. And then when, um, Oh, anytime you pass a uh, pull-up bar, do a set of pull-ups. And that will keep you nice and strong and all around uh, injury-proof and all that stuff. So do that. Kind regards, Kypros. By the way, it is pronounced Kip as in tip. Kipros, sent from my iPad. Cool email. Thank you so much, man. Uh, El Senor sent in an email or sent in a donation. Uh, I think he's recurring. Michael Redogna. I know he's recurring. And Ken Soderquist, longtime fans and donors right there. Also, we're on Patreon. If you Google uh, Patreon and Zentry, there's um, old episodes up on there. If you become a listener, I got to buckle down and uh, put more old episodes up there. Uh, I'm just training like crazy for Ironman Canada and Whistler uh, the end of July. And I'm just booked man it's just absolutely crazy and i'm training for this uberman thing in october end of october swimming the catalina channel which is 22 miles and biking over california mountains uh, for 400 miles to death valley and then running the Badwater 135 course with 135 miles from death valley up to mount whitney so yeah i'm uh i'm a little over overreaching <laughs> Time-wise, oh, I have another email I wanted to read. I was going to read this at the top of the show, and I failed. So I'm going to read it now. Eduardo, no looking back. Uh, Coach Brett, hi, comma. Thanks for checking regarding my Hornet juice. Oh, yeah, he ordered some, and then um, there was a problem with it, and I had to go personally, go track it down and figure out what was up. Uh, I haven't got it yet because I'm out of town. Oh, well, that was a problem. But looking forward to experiment with this supplement. I also bought two packages of Amrita bars and I'm waiting for a friend to bring them to me from San Diego. I forgot to apply the code for the discount next time. I'm originally from Mexico, live with my girlfriend, Myrella, Myrella, 
in Israel and have two sons and one daughter and two incredible grandsons, two Trek Madones, and have used <laughs> and used to have, I thought I said, and have used a Cocker Spaniel for something to ride around on, and used to have a Cocker Spaniel, Nick, but he passed away three years ago at age 17. Oh, man. My wife uh, had a Cocker Spaniel growing up. I got to meet it. It was so badass. <laughs> so cool. He used to pick fights with the, with the cats that lived in their house, and one time it had a cat claw stuck in the front of its nose. It was just like, yeah, bring it. Um, I discover your podcast... Uh, by coincidence about six months ago and then since then have been listening to them during my long rides when I train by myself most of the time good man training by yourself is awesome Uh, I enjoy your shows and really appreciate your efforts to bring us the best of you and what all that is related to try and zen your pronunciation is very clear oh cool I'm gonna keep doing that and makes my life easier because English is not my mother language um hablas espanol and sometimes I have hard times when I listen to any programs in English, but not yours. Oh, I wonder if it's because I lived on the border of Mexico. And uh, I speak a day Espanol, uh, uh, un pico, or I probably didn't even get that right, un piquito. Um, I also listened to some of the old shows. They are loaded with good information and still very relevant until today. Uh, through today, I think he meant. Um, I'm just glad you quit eating and drinking during your shows because that was really hard to overcome. We as listeners put our ears in your hands. That's weird. And we are confident uh, that you will take care of them. But when I listened to those podcasts where you eat your Amrita or drink your beer, I was about to quit. (laughs) But then in another podcast, you said you won't do it anymore. And I'm so glad you took that decision. Five Oh, this is so cool. He calls them admiration marks instead of exclamation points. Five admiration marks. And, um, yeah, hey, listen. If you don't like me eating or drinking on the show, don't worry. I do it very, very rarely. And I just it's just because that's what's going on. And I have to eat right now because I just finished a big workout or whatever. So, um, yeah, don't stress it, everybody. And uh, I've been doing triathlons for the last 10 years. Cool. Nowadays, I'm about to do my first full triathlon at Challenge Galway. I've done three half distances in the last three years. The last one in Elat, Elat, I forgot how to pronounce that. But John Hirsch has talked to us about doing that race. That's a crazy hard half Ironman distance race. Uh, Very hard one, but finished first in my age group. Hey, man, that's really cool. I forgot about that first in your age group, uh, 60 to 64. I just love this sport and feel I owe a lot to it. I hope I'm ready for the full distance. I have been taking it very seriously, really seriously on my training, but you never know. That is true. That's wisdom because a 60 year old guy, he's that th- th- y'all listen to this. <laughs> you just never know what to expect. Right. And as you used to say, anything can happen in a distance like this, but I feel ready. The only thing I'm afraid of is cold water, the Atlantic Ocean. So if you have a good tip regarding swimming in the cold water, please let me know. And don't tell me everything is in the head. I've been trying to convince my my body that everything is in the head, but unsuccessfully. I still find it hard to swim in cold waters, and the Atlantic is really cold. Three admiration marks. I'm re- I'm wearing a neoprene vest under my wetsuit. Maybe this will help. And a good neoprene cap. The neoprene cap is where it's at, man. That'll make the biggest difference. Yeah, maybe the vest. 
his wife is doing the half distance. She's the one who introduced me to the sport 10 years ago. Cool. Hey, there's a big study that came out that said married couples, uh, men live longer because the women make the men do stuff that's good for their health. So that's exactly what's going on right here. Um, also, uh, make sure your ears, this is my advice right here. Make sure your ears are covered evenly on both sides, either cover them both or don't cover them both. If you get cold water in one and not the other, you will start spiraling in your head because it messes with your inner ear. The, uh, one being cold and one, the other being warm. So, um, yeah, be careful with that. Uh, breathing both sides, uh, keeps the water even, uh, breathing one side kind of starts messing with the water flow over your ears. That's, uh, that was my thing, uh, helping somebody swim Lake Tahoe one year and, uh, made me sick. Ugh. Um, otherwise, um, if make sure you, um, eat enough and go hard enough cause then you'll generate body heat, right? Um, a bad thing in ultra running and open water swimming is, um, you don't eat enough and you start to bonk, well, then you slow down and then you stop making enough body heat and then you get really cold and you can go hypothermic and drown or have to have a rescue crew come drag you out of the woods. I've seen both of those. And let's see. Uh, well, Coach, I think this is a first long, a long first letter, but I hope it is not the last one. I hope not as well, man. Send in some more ones. I love, uh, I love older people writing in with wisdom about their experiences and helping us, uh, younger, uh, people out with things to share. Um, I think on this podcast, our audience is willing to listen. Um, we don't think we're too smart. Uh, that's the whole thing about Zen is, um, wisdom comes from experience and we are listening and, um, well coach. Yeah. Okay. We already read that. Uh, my warm regards to Kai, go Kai three exclamation points. You are on the right path Two exclamation points and your wife, uh, Zentri nurse on Twitter and Kona and Zoe, our new little yellow lab mix dog that is driving me freaking crazy, Zoe. Um, wishing you all the best, Eduardo. Thanks, man. That was a really cool email. I really enjoyed reading that. Thank you. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, training log. Whew, man, I've already recorded all of it. So um, after the training log, you know, it's the next episode. But let me tell you, this heat is killing me, absolutely killing me. And, uh, yeah, next episode, all about the trek with uh, the electronic shifting and trying to dial in fit, how to do that using a, a trainer and a power meter and a heart rate strap, all that good stuff. And so, all right, without further delay, here is the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise. Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself. Welcome to a new training log. Let's see, star date, May 24th. And I got a couple of little tips for you. Well, one tip. And it is calf cramping in the swim. I was listening to IM talk and uh, they kind of just glazed over it so fast that I think it's actually uh, deserves more coverage because it's a really good tip. 
and it has to do with uh, calf cramps. So you're swimming in a race, open water, whatever, and uh, yeah, open water, and you start getting calf cramps. And the uh, big question is why? And it's because you're pointing your feet back to kick, and what you're used to doing is in the pool, you're used to doing turns and then pushing off the wall, and that flexes your calves, your toes up towards your shin, and it stretches your calves out. And uh, <clears throat> if you're doing open water swim, and you're kicking along, and you never do a turn where you push off of a wall, well, guess what? You're never going to stretch your calves out. And the toes pointing back to kick for, let's say, a uh, half iron man to an iron man, you're talking half an hour, uh, an hour plus, and your, uh, your feet, your calves will start to uh, cramp up only because you're not used to it. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just something you're not used to. So the tip is to, um, if you, you could prevent the cramp, if you're worried about getting one, by every once in a while flexing your calves uh, outwards so that your uh, toes come up towards your knees, towards your shins. Do that every once in a while. You could just do one foot and every once in a while do the other foot, uh, you know, every few minutes or so. And um, just to make sure you don't get a calf cramp because um, all the biking and running that you've been doing, um, you might be uh, prone to getting a cramp because your calves are, you know, kind of stressed. And uh, even though you've tapered and all that, um, so you need to uh, uh, stretch those calves out. It's pretty cool. I'd never thought of that. And I thought I'd share it since I heard it. And then the other thing is I had a really good swim a couple of days ago and then proof in the pudding swim uh, today where... Um, in December, I broke my arm and I broke it right next to the the lower arm, right next to the elbow. And that injury in the emergency room, they said, you will never be able to straighten out your arm all the way again. Sorry to tell you. And I'm like, really? Come on. And they're like, no, really. And I've been to therapy. Well, not really therapy, but I've been to see the... Um, the, uh, the surgeon, the big doctors, all that stuff. And they're like, yep, you are screwed. And I said, but I'm a swimmer. I need to straighten. I need to actually hyperextend my arm, not just straighten it. And I said, yeah, well, you're screwed. Um, sorry about that. I guess if you could maybe find a surgery for this if you wanted to. And um, I went to uh, start swimming again after a while. And the pain in my arm was so unbelievably bad. Um, I've never really felt anything like it. And the weakness in my arm, lifting weights, uh, my arm started out maybe one-tenth as strong as my right arm. My left arm is the broken one. And um, I eventually worked myself up over months. Gosh, what are we at? Like six months now. And um, there's the uh, the thing where how bad do you want it, right? With Matt Fitzgerald in the previous episode where, um, and there's another book out. Oh, I forgot the name of it. It's a James Altucher show uh, interview with obstacles are um, motivators. And if I did not break my arm, I would have just kept on swimming maybe three times a week. Uh, but because I broke my arm and I wanted it back, now it made me so mad that I actually started swimming four times a week, uh, 
and really being particular and swimming harder. And in the end, it has probably made me a better swimmer, um, even with, I would call it almost, yeah, I would, I'd call it a disability. I cannot straighten out my freaking left arm. It is stuck with, with, uh, it's missing. It goes to like, oh my God, it's terrible. It's like, uh, I'm missing 15 degrees or something like that of, um, and it hurts when I try to straighten it out. And in spite of that, and also can't twist my hand all the way. And every once in a while when I swim, it gives a twinge of pain. And I've got crepitus. I've got scar tissue uh, that crunches and clinks in my elbow when I uh, move my elbow. And if I move my elbow really fast, the, the uh, tendon catches on a scar piece of scar tissue or on a bone or something like that. And it pops. And it's a freaking nightmare. And, um, but in spite of all that... I managed to swim this morning um, the same speed or maybe even a tiniest bit faster than I have um, usually uh, before I broke my arm. And that is amazing and it just shows you what um, the right mindset, you know, if you have a setback where you're going to just, you're not going to let it, um, you're not going to let it stop you. And I, uh, I remember I tweeted this morning, um, I swam one hour at a 124 pace, a 125 is what I like to swim. I swam an hour at a 124, uh, pace. Fuck you, broken arm. You did not win. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'm getting kind of emotional right now just thinking about it because my identity, we all have ego and identities, you know, who we are is a swimmer. You know, I'm not the fastest swimmer in the world, but I enjoy swimming and I love swimming with beautiful technique and stroke. Like I enjoy the art of swimming and it's a, uh, it's a wonderful thing to be able to swim well. It's a beautiful thing. I always, uh, uh, say that a good swimmer looks like ballet. It's gorgeous to see a, a good, what good technique can do. And, um, my technique isn't, uh, you know, super awesome, but it works. And, um, to have that, you know, your identity and ego just like taken away from you, it leaves you just completely uh, depressed and bewildered and lost. And, um, to get it back is just, uh, is amazing. And, and, um, but it's not the same as, as it was. My technique is now different and, uh, it's uglier, but it's mine. I made it (laughs) and I made it work. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's it for uh, this portion of the training log and I'm super, super stoked. So yeah, you have obstacles, you can overcome them with work because honestly, without the obstacle, with everything just being normal, you're probably not trying as hard as you could anyway, is my whole point. So sometimes the obstacle makes you try harder and it makes you reveal, um, an even better side of yourself on the other side of it. All right, that's it. Off to work. Bing. All right, I'm back. I am super stoked today. Two things. One, I get to go visit my bike. Yay! It's uh, the bike shop called and said it's all there. It's all ready. Um, They're waiting on a seat, a saddle. Oh, crap. That's the the other thing. I was going to bring in my other saddle. Damn it. Anyway, and... uh, the um, it's got oh it's got electronic shifting I've 
got such a woody for my electronic shifting. I can't even explain it. But anyway, that was inappropriate. But the other thing is, um, I was doing a swim workout this morning. Check this out. A really good swim workout is where you are dying. You're nearly dying either at the end or after every set or, you know, whatever. And you can do that because in the pool, the pool is such a forgiving environment. It's totally different than running. Uh, biking's kind of halfway in between, but you can give it all in the pool. But it's like zero gravity and it's cooling. So um, you can return and do more and more and more and more. And it's a great place to work on your aerobic ability and burning muscle and all kinds of great stuff. But anyway, I was doing 10-minute uh, uh, intervals where I would uh, start off easy and then work myself up about to race pace and, over time. And then the last two minutes, I would do like almost an all-out sprint, a 9 out of 10 sprint. Uh, and that would end up being about 150 yards for me. And... Uh, first one was great second one oh and then uh, when I'm done it rolls right into the next 10 minutes but the first bit of that 10 minutes I walk uh, across the pool I used to have this swim coach that would give us 25 or 50s walk um, and you're in the water but you just kind of walk across the pool and if there's a deep end in your pool then you kind of swim breaststroke and kind of float on your back but um, yeah and that the time it takes for you to go 25 yards that way is like 30 seconds to a minute to a minute, 30 seconds. And it's really nice recovery. And then you start again, right? Right back into, uh, your 10 minutes of, of, uh, of your next interval, which would end up being about six and a half minutes of swimming, uh, easy to medium. And then two minutes, uh, bam, hard, right? Really, really hard. Well, anyway, first one was good. Second one was great. Third one, I remember after the third one, I go, oh, how many more of these do I have? Because <laughs> they were starting to kill me. And then the, uh, and I was like, oh, that's not a good sign because I have three more. I'm only halfway done. And uh, fourth one was great. Fifth one was, I was really starting to feel it. And then sixth one, when I finished, I, I finished at the wall and I hit stop on my watch and I laid with my upper half of my body on the deck, um, on my elbows uh, my chest kind of on the deck a little bit trying to catch my breath. Cause I went that hard where I needed to lay down on the uh, deck of the pool, even though my lower, lower half of my body was still in the water, um, touching bottom. It's like three feet deep. And, uh, I was sitting there going, that was a good workout. Really, really good workout. So again, 10 minute intervals, first eight minutes, are progressively easy to uh, moderate, kind of like race pace, sort of, like an Ironman race pace, which is pretty moderate. And then the last two minutes, hard, really, really hard, nine out of 10. And then you roll right back into the next 10 minutes. Um, but the first bit of that 10 minutes, like walk across the pool uh, to catch your breath, something like that. Works great. All right, that's it. I gotta go into W to the ERK. I got stuff to do so that I can uh, leave at lunch and go visit my uh, Trek Speed concept. Super stoked. All right, that's it. Out, bang. All right, on the way to the pool, it's the day after Memorial Day. Let's see, I did a big day on Sunday. Well, Saturday and Sunday. No, Sunday and Monday. Memorial Day here in the U.S. is on Monday. So uh, Sunday went out 
for a, uh, I was going to do a three and a half hour bike and a one and a half hour run. And I ended up getting uh, really dehydrated towards the end of the bike, but I didn't know it. It's insane, like how humid and hot it is here. I think the heat index when I uh, finished my bike ride and went out for the run uh, was 103 degrees. <laughs> so after that was over, which I promptly melted down in half an hour and had Emily, I called her. I love bringing a cell phone out on the run. I put it in one of the little snack size Ziploc bags. Called Emily and said, I'm okay. You always start off. I'm fine. Everything's great. But come get me. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even finish the run indoors like I did the previous weekend because I was too cooked. Uh, my heart rate was starting to get into the 160s. And it was a combination of dehydration and also... I chopped a caffeine pill in half, so it was 100 milligrams of caffeine, which is supposedly like a cup of coffee. But since it's artificial caffeine, I think it hits you harder and hits you faster. And even though I had it diluted uh, in a bottle of water, my first bottle of water on the run, the caffeine started to hit me, which increases blood pressure. And already you're dehydrated, which increases blood pressure. And so I was starting to get the feeling of like my head being in a vice. And um, that's blood pressure. I think that's a really good formula for a stroke, probably. And I um, I cut the run. Uh, I felt a little bit like I was going to puke. And then, I, yeah, uh, my head in a vice. So I cut the run and cut it short for the day. Um, and that was Sunday. And so we weighed me uh, before and after. No, not before, but after we weighed me and I weighed 171 pounds and that's down from probably 181. So I probably lost nine pounds. I'm going to be conservative. Probably lost nine pounds in four hours of training in this heat. And on the bike, I probably drank five pounds of water uh, and starting on the run too. And so that's just insane. Um, so if you're a heavy sweater, you can lose up to two liters per water. I think Lionel Sanders is one of these guys. Two liters per, of water per hour. And I was drinking probably one liter of uh, water per hour. So anyway, on Monday morning, I got up and tried to totally redeem myself and get in a uh, my long run that I couldn't get the day before. I weighed myself. I weighed 180 uh, on the dot, naked. Woo. And... Um, then started off on a two hour run. And by the time I was done, I added up, I drank, uh, I'd have to do all the ounces and stuff. Uh, I drank 90 ounces of water, but I still, when I was finished, I ran 13.1 miles. That was my goal. It just took me a little bit over two hours. When I finished, I weighed 176 and that means uh, I figured out I lose two liters of water per hour, 2.4 quarts <laughs> per hour. And uh, that sucks, but that's my lot in life. That's what I got. And that's why I don't do well in hot races. Because imagine Emily was saying, how can you even drink that much water? I don't think you can drink enough water to compensate. So um, 
let's see. Then Kai and I mountain biked through streets in suburbia and across a freeway <laughs> to uh, Whataburger for a late breakfast through a storm, which was really cool. And that was a half hour biking. And then in the evening, I went out for a bike ride. It was really, really hot. It's like 5, 6 o'clock p.m. And I did just over an hour, hour and 15 minutes bike ride. And uh, I drank uh, almost two quarts of water. Did a bottle of Gatorade and a bottle of water and did 50-50, you know, Big chug of Gatorade, big chug of water. And I, then I was actually powering through uh, almost two liters of water per hour. And I felt great uh, during that and nowhere near as dehydrated. And I woke up this morning and weighed 179. So uh, the weight fluctuations due to dehydration is crazy. But anyway, my whole point is, uh, one, I'm blown away by how much water I lose. And also um, that somebody tweeted me and said, how did you measure that? Because I said I lose two liters per Per hour and this humidity it sucks and running with a camelback you know like oh my gosh and um i said yeah it's easy you weigh yourself naked before you get going and weigh yourself naked when you're done and use ounces and also add in what you drank if you can measure what you drank um i know my camelback holds 70 ounces and i drain that and my running belt bottles I hold 10 ounces each and I drain those. So that's where you get 70 plus 20 is 90 ounces in two hours of running. All right, I gotta go. I'm, gonna, I'm at the pool. I'm gonna hit, hit the water and see what I can do. Out bang. All right, this is gonna have to be quick. I'm listening to the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, The Fight Companion from like May 29th. Man, that's freaking funny. <laughs> I like the Brazilian uh, commentator attempt. Uh, anyway, let's see, got a bunch of little things. Yesterday, uh, oh, let's not talk about the swim just yet. We talk about the swim all the time. Uh, running with math, holy crap, man. It is really, really nice. Really, really nice. 180 minus your age. Run right up around there with your heart rate. Uh, and just cover the miles, man. You learn how to get economical at your... Uh, at the top of your ability of, uh, hold on, I'm trying to turn around the air conditioning. At the top of your aerobic ability, right? And it's really training you to not be an idiot because this, that is the maximum that you can go. <laughs> so once you come to terms with reality, uh, then you learn how to fuel, drink, all that stuff, pace yourself, um, and not blow up and then you can just go and go and go and then the reality is is whatever your pace is that's what your pace is and if you want to improve it well you just need to do more of it and let's see on this morning's run I doubled my water Um, I stopped at a water fountain and refueled my water when usually I would just keep going and uh, felt really really great Uh, Kona qualifying speed for me uh, on the run for my age group is right around an eight minute mile and if you subtract the first couple miles, three miles of uh, kind of warm up, not pushing it too hard, then I float around an eight minute mile, but on flat ground. So uh, the last couple miles, I ran seven miles in just over an hour. Um, the last couple of miles, I was running a high seven. Now it's totally different doing that after biking 112 miles. But anyway, it's fun. It's fun to pretend, to fantasize. And 
let's see, I'm picking up the Trek today, either today or tomorrow, they said it's all done, I've got shorter cranks, 168s, even though I'm tall, I'm going to try that out, so I might have cranks for sale pretty soon, <laughs> when I decide that it sucks, and um, I'm keeping the BMC for a while to uh, match up fit and have a backup bike in case there's something wrong and uh, maybe sacrifice parts. And let's talk about, uh, let's go back to the swim for a minute. Oh, I want to thank Peter for his tip. I'm going to email him and thank him too. I coached Peter and uh, he said on your plantar fasciitis, on his plantar fasciitis, he had it off and on. And the thing that finally he realized that did it in was calf stretching. Uh, lots and lots of calf stretching and massaging. So I started doing it. He sent me an email. And so I started doing that uh, yesterday. And in one day, I already feel like way, way better. Like uh, I might be uh, finally climbing out of this hole. But we'll see. And because like my run this morning kind of hurt, but it didn't hurt like it usually did. It felt like I had more. Um, usually by five and a half, six miles into a seven mile run at a good clip, it starts to hurt. And this, um, today it never changed. It was the same, um, very light, dull pain, uh, the entire run and never increased. And that's a good sign. And also I've been doing running every other day on purpose. Uh, the other day I ran 13.1 miles, I ran a half marathon. And, uh, the day after, uh, the backs of my knees hurt that was interesting. I hadn't had that in a while. It's the tendons in the back of your knees from, I don't know, from lifting your legs to run or something. And then, um, was dehydrated yesterday, but then, uh, did a good job rehydrating, eating some ice cream and, uh, always working on, uh, metabolic flexibility, which, um, not being only high fat, low carb, but being strategically high fat, low carb at the right times which uh, as I keep working on it, I'll give you more details because it's really complicated and I hate giving advice on this podcast that I'm not 100% positive about, especially about food and I don't want to mess anybody up. And the, uh, but one thing I am positive about, this is really cool, on the swim, you get a watch that has a beeping timer and set it to your, uh, set it to a pace that you want for your workout and just swim and it'll beep. Uh, you set it for the 100 yards, let's say. You could set it for the 50 yards or meters or whatever you're doing. But let's say my target pace for uh, an Ironman, I love uh, swimming it at an hour, under an hour, right around an hour. Um, but then what I usually do is I kind of hold back anyway because by the time I get halfway through the swim, I'm like, man, I got a big bike ride and a run after this. <laughs> So I usually kind of hold back and finish a couple minutes over an hour. But um, sometimes more than that. Depends, you know, on traffic and if the swim's measured long and stuff. But the um, the trick is, let me tell you what I did. So on my Garmin, I have a 920 XT. I set an interval timer on the watch for the swim for uh, one minute and 25 seconds. And that is an hour uh, Ironman swim. If you swam for an hour at a 125 interval uh, per 100 yards, then uh, you would swim 2.4 miles, almost right on the button. And um, so what you do, what you do is uh, you swim, 
And uh, after 100 yards, it beeps and vibrates. The Garmin 920 has a uh, vibrate motor in it, and you can barely feel it swimming. Um, but if your head is underwater and your arm is out of the water, when you um, when it goes off, you can actually feel it on your hand. And if it's underwater and your head's underwater, then you can hear it. So it actually it's actually pretty good um, to have both. And how much time do I got? I got ten minutes. And the uh, so I was swimming along, and at first I was uh, I decided to do an hour swim. And at first I was right on the interval. And then I, oh, then what's so cool is you can test out little things like, okay, if I pull my arms in a little bit more, if I speed up my cadence, if I lower my head or whatever, you know, all these different things. If I uh, kick more, if I kick less, if I streamline more, usually that's, usually it's faster cadence and trying a little bit harder. (laughs) It's the formula. I quit being so lazy. Um, Then uh, you'll start uh, beating your goal interval. And getting ahead of it. And that's kind of cool too. Because every time the, the beep goes off, you can go, oh, I'm a little bit further down the pool. Farther. Uh, when it, uh, when the, uh, the alert goes off. And that's pretty neat. And so, um, I was swimming along at a 125. And about halfway through the swim, ha- about half an hour in, I was about 25 yards ahead of the uh, interval it was I'd made it to the other wall and it was starting to go off by the time I made it to the wall on the other side which mean, meant I was swimming about a 124 interval and then I got greedy and I uh, went I kept going oh man I can keep this up I can keep my pace faster than this this is great and I pushed a little bit too hard and I made it about halfway back on my interval so about 25, uh, 50, what was that, like 30, 35 yards uh, ahead. And then all of a sudden I started fading. And I was like, oh, crap. And I started slowing down and I, I started, uh, yeah, really messing up. And then I ended up um, about uh, one, I ended up about 10 yards, 15 yards ahead when I finished of where I wanted to be. But anyway, this thing is like a metronome. It's kind of like a power meter. And um, everybody really ought to try this out. It's really cool. And there's another. There's a cheap way to do it. A, um, a cheaper way. It's not that cheap. But it's uh, an Ironman. If you get a Timex Ironman watch and you get one with the interval timer, uh, countdown timer is what it is. A repeating countdown timer, and you set that to your goal pace. So let's say you wanna you wanna swim 130 in your race, a 130 pace, or you wanna swim 150, or you wanna swim a one shit, a 110, I don't know, uh, 115 or something like that, then you can practice it in the pool um, and learn, it's kind of like math swimming, and learn uh, what it takes to um, to swim that pace. And then when you learn what your real pace is going to be, um, what you do is you do it a couple of practices and learn to keep up with it. And then after a few practices, it'll be easier and then you can shorten the pace. Go from 125, in my case, to 124. Set that interval. Um, is it possible? You know? Uh, I think so. In fact, I know so. I've done it. I've done this for years. I just haven't done it uh, lately. And as we get closer to Ironman Canada, um, it's becoming more and more critical. So anyway, thought I'd share that with everybody. That's your swim tip of the uh, segment here. And... Um,
go give it a try. It's really cool. All right, out, Bing. All right, let's go ahead and wrap up the show. I'm on my way home at night from swimming. A little bit unusual, but um, to keep up consistency and keep improving, uh, you don't want to go too many days without swimming, so I swim every other day. I try to not miss uh, two days in a row. And then also, you can... um, improve your cruising speed by doing over speed and like I said with the timer thing uh, you can set it to whatever your goal pace is and then do a block do what I did tonight was three 20 minute blocks of uh, swimming can you know non-stop and I had my timer going off of what my goal pace is for my race and the first part of the block of the 20 minutes I'm uh, going cruising along just kind of easy and then as I get closer and closer and closer to the end of the 20 minutes, I try to get uh, to my goal pace. And then the uh, last few minutes, I try to go over pace. And what happens is, just like you get stronger if you lift something that you can barely lift, if you lift it a few times, then your potential uh, goes up. Your body goes, oh man, I may have to lift more than what I'm able to lift, so I better get stronger. And then uh, if you swim faster than what you're able to sustain for a long time, then your swim body goes, oh, I better get faster, and you get stronger. So that's why you do things like hills and uh, overspeed, uh, sprint, and such whatnot to get faster. It actually works really, really well. You just need to do it at an interval and in a way that inspires you to uh, make training fun, and that's why you like some variability in training, which leads me to uh, a nice moment of zen for this podcast, way at the back. Somewhere in the back, there's a moment of zen. (laughs) And I was listening to the uh, Productivity Show um, by Asian Efficiency, which is the name of the company that puts it on, interviewing a guy, just a regular old guy, who's uh, fixed his life up nicely by little tips and tricks. And um, he said he found out, this is an older guy, so he's kind of wise, and he said he found out anybody can do something, right? Uh, I'm to climb that mountain. Now, you know, anybody can climb Mount Everest, usually. And anybody can do an Ironman. Anybody can run a marathon. Anybody can start a company, right? So it's not the what. It's not doing it that uh, gets it done, that motivates you, that inspires you. It's how you do it that uh, registers in your brain some motivation because you're going to do it your way. And then there's that whole thing where humans always feel the need to be right because the world is full of wrongs. And if you're right, then probably you'll live longer. It's kind of like, and you'll reproduce. It's very uh, buried into your genes. So uh, if you're right about the weather, then you'll probably live and that's how we got where that's why we still exist today it's really buried deep in us in our genetic code to feel the need to be right and if you do something your way then you've proved yourself right and possibly other people wrong and you're worthy of uh continuing on so it's motivational and so it's kind of like i'm gonna run a marathon but i'm gonna run it you know for my team or I'm going to do an Ironman, but I'm going to do the bike ride on a fixie. That's a fixed gear, a single speed. And um, 
I am going to do seen the guy that did a whole triathlon while juggling balls <laughs> you made it inter- you make it interesting by doing it your way and uh, I'm gonna swim across this lake but I'm gonna I'm gonna swim across the English Channel remember the guy I interviewed that swam across the English Channel but he did it with butterfly <laughs> and oh, what was that guy's name oh man he was awesome uh, there's a podcast a while back where I interviewed like all of his training, everything he did, and what it was like swimming so, mean, butterfly across the English Channel. You're talking 21 miles open ocean, uh, butterfly. It's crazy. It took him 17 hours or 21 hours or something like that. Anyway, something crazy. <sighs> no wetsuit, just nuts. But anyway, he did it his way. So when you're trying to find motivation to do something think of the uh, think of the way to do it your way and with your style he said it's not uh, oh I should go back and listen to the podcast and uh, it's very important because he says it's it's the art of doing that's what gets things done uh, don't just go do stuff just doing stuff anybody can do that and it's boring and then you lose motivation and you lose interest but if you do things with style, uh, and that's what Zen in the art of triathlon, you know, there's several layers. Oh, well, if you do things with style, then you're doing it your way. Now it's interesting, and now you get you enjoy it, and then you'll do more of it, and then you'll get good at it. And that's when um, next episode I'm going to talk about the Bontrager shoes and how to select um, cycling shoes. And the thing that I've noticed is. Things are <clears throat> to do things well and to enjoy them. Um, there's so many right answers that it's actually the correct and nice way to do things. The, the pleasing, joyful way to do things is a couple layers deep. And by what I mean is uh, what I mean by that is um, it's kind of like you can find. Somebody can tell you the best way to train, right? But it doesn't work for everybody. So the best way to train is actually the way to get your ass training and what gets you motivated to train. See, that's two layers deep. So what you do is you find out what are many of the best way to train, best ways to train. So let's say it's like five different ways. You know, you can do intervals, uh, you know, or uh, hit high intensity, or you can do um, huge amount of volume, or you can do sweet spot, or you can on and on and on. You come up with something yourself, right? But you look for results, and then you find the way that works for you. So when it goes to cycling shoes, which I'm going to cover in the next episode, is most of the, almost all of the cycling shoes out there are great. They work great. There's nothing wrong with them. But there's a pair that works for you. So you have to look beyond the um, the technical details and you have to find what actually uh, inspires you. Because if you wear the wrong pair of cycling shoes, they're going to hurt your feet. Right? Now you have two, let's say you get down to two or three pair Say you get down to two pair of cycling shoes that fit pretty much the same, right? And you like them, 
and you think they're going to work. Well, which pair do you pick now? Well, now you pick the pair that has the color that you like, right? Now, does color have any effect on speed? No, except black. Black is the fastest color. Everybody knows that. It's a scientific fact. But anyway, you pick the color that when you're riding, you love to ride in, right? And then you're like, oh, this is great. So on Zen and Yard of Triathlon, what we do is I cover all the different ways to do something and then explain to you how to pick the right thing for you. I don't know the answer, what's the right thing for you, but I can tell you how to find out. And in the case of cycling shoes, for example, you go to where there's a big store selection, try them all on, and one pair should make you say, wow, this is the pair, right? But don't go in there thinking you know which pair it's going to be. Try on a bunch of them. And so that's the real trick. The real trick isn't... <clears throat> the real trick is knowing that the cycling shoes, no matter what technology and stuff like that they have in them, uh, they're all pretty much the same. Uh, so that's half the trick. So not judging first. And then... So being able to move beyond that. And then go... So that you can actually try on a whole bunch of pairs of shoes. A whole bunch of pairs? I don't know if that's true. Anyway, you can try on a whole bunch of pairs and then pick the one that feels the best. Right? And that takes a second or third level of um, ignoring the noise and and uh, oh, you should buy this pair. Oh, you should buy this pair. No, you should buy the pair that makes you feel great and feels good. So, let's see. There's that. Um, I got uh, a chemistry tip for you. The... Um, because it all goes back to science. Um, Jocelyn was talking about uh, the, the fuel that she uses, this high-end stuff that's um, really cool and has a little chemical um, engineering going into it, um, but that it's, it's glucose. And I looked it up, and it is. In the United States, if you go to the grocery store and you ask to buy glucose, you can't find it. Right in Europe, they sell it. It's glucose. You can just buy glucose on the shelf. It's a cooking agent. Uh, go make candy with it and stuff like that. And uh, in the United States, you can't find it. But guess what? It does exist. In the United States, the U.S. legislature did uh, the corn industry a favor and calls it corn syrup. That's what it's actually called in the United States. Almost all of it. Um, I, I read somewhere that there can be some exceptions, but in general, uh, Google this. It's really interesting. Um, corn syrup is glucose. So if you want to buy uh, fuel, there goes a kitty cat running across the street. If you want to buy fuel on the cheap, uh, you could get uh, corn syrup or light corn syrup. It has a few less calories in it. Not much, though. And one tablespoon is 70 calories. And it's, uh, <clears throat> it's a, uh, a glycemic index of 100. It is the stuff that is the glycemic index that it's made out of. You can take uh, two, three, four tablespoons of it um, and put it in a water bottle and shake it up. And the, uh, now you've got pure energy in your drink. And it's super, super cheap. Now, it's not going to be uh, the fancier, higher-end stuff that uh, Jocelyn was talking about. Uh, 
which is uh, more of a timed release kind of thing. But you can slow it down by how fast you drink it. <laughs> right? Um, they do this thing where they're like, oh, if you take a gel, you have this, you have this um, high and then a crash because it's so fast burning. Well, that's if you ate the whole gel at once, right? Who says you have to do that? You can eat part of the gel, right? Or you can drink part of your Gatorade. You can sip on it and then keep, um, keep your blood sugar steady because as soon as it comes, starts coming down, you take another sip and it goes back up and then your blood sugar's nice and even. The thing is, is not to eat too much of it at once without enough water and that'll make your stomach hurt. Um, without enough uh, electrolytes, because that'll make you, uh, that messes up your pee and your and just everything, um, and gives you cramps and stuff. And uh, let's see, and yeah, not too much all at once, and, uh, and then you'll be fine. You could just add um, salt stick capsules to, uh, to your water and, uh, and do it. Anyway, so I've done that, and it works fine, absolutely fine, and it's super cheap. Uh, Carbo Pro is uh, basically maltodextrin and you can order that for super cheap off the internet and um, a lot of this stuff you know these companies make um, make stuff and they overprice it to make a profit and that's fine if you are a sprint or an Olympic distance triathlete and you use this stuff on occasion but once you start getting into ultra distance and you're going through 30 to 60 servings a week of this kind of stuff, well, then it gets um, kind of stupid expensive, uh, ridiculously expensive, and uh, you're smarter uh, trying to find stuff in bulk. And um, that's not the way this stuff is packaged, so you kind of have to go out of your way and kind of get smart and uh, find this stuff on your own. And then use the, um, use the fancy stuff, um, you know, during races and things like that, like it was intended but uh, just day in and day out, uh, finding stuff in bulk. And uh, let's see, on the run, um, I ran three days in a row, and it uh, my foot started hurting pretty bad, my left foot. Uh, and I, was, I knew it before I started going out running. I'm like, this is the third day in a row of running. I'm not really sure about this. And also, I did a high-volume week of running. And I was like, uh, I don't know. And... Um, my foot started to hurt pretty bad because I was running kind of crappy because uh, I was tired. And then I forgot what I was using for fuel, maybe maple syrup or something like that. But then about an hour into my run, no, about 45 minutes into my run, I think uh, I had also eaten dinner kind of close to that. So um, uh, everything kind of settled down and, and I picked up some energy and I, I started flowing better. And then as my form improved, as I warmed up and kind of settled in and um, the tiredness went away, then all of a sudden I could run without my foot hurting. And I was like, well, there's a, there's running, uh, there's a running theory that you know, uh, in triathlon, running's the only impact sport, right? Uh, you can get repetitive use injuries out of swimming and biking, uh, no problem, by having something not fit right or twisting your arm wrong or something like that. And you can get, you know, uh, torn up joints and stuff. But as far as just getting banged up, uh, uh, swimming and cycling doesn't do that 
because you're not bouncing up and down um, on on a hard surface. But running, you are. So running out of the three, there's a really strong case for never running two days in a row, or maybe running two days and then taking a day off. I think it kind of depends on the person, and if you're overweight, um, if you're older, younger, you know, and you're kind of rubbery, younger, and you're a lot more elastic, maybe you can survive this a little bit better. But, um, and then on top of that, definitely don't run if your running form is compromised. Now, let's say you're kind of tired and your swimming form or your biking form uh, is compromised. That's okay, sort of. You know, you got some room for error in there. But if your running form is compromised, you can do some real damage. And uh, you want to strongly consider that if you don't get into a good running form and a good flow um, quickly, that uh, you may just want to say, you know, I'm going to skip this and, and move it to tomorrow until you can run well. Because the the uh, damage that you do is really bad running and um and it's like well what about on race day you know because you get off the bike and your run form sucks because you biked 56 or 112 miles and now you're you're tired well that's an exception you know that's uh that's okay um but just day in and day out training you know it's kind of like and um my plantar fasciitis is definitely on the uh, on the um, upswing. It's on the mend, and it's especially it picked up when I quit running. Uh, when I started making sure that I took a day off of running in between running days, so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, um, and then the the um, the next thing what I noticed immediately was my average pace for my runs. Uh, started getting really fast, and it's because I was um, uh, pretty fresh going into each run, and that allowed me to run better and better and better and get faster and faster and faster. So I was getting a lot faster, and I was getting um, my injuries were starting to uh, go away until I ran three days in a row. (laughs) And uh, so I did the smart thing, and I cut it short. Halfway through my run. No, not halfway. I went about a mile longer than I should have. But I was kind of away from the house. Oh, and I saw a baby copperhead snake. And I took a video of it and posted it on Instagram. It's pretty cool. So, um, yeah. I think that's how I wanted to wrap up the show. I think that's everything. I want to thank Jocelyn McCauley for being on this episode. I love interviewing her. She's so well-spoken and smart and on her way up. And uh, definitely got... uh, some breakthrough performances ahead of her. It's really cool uh, having her on the show and having her as a buddy in the triathlon world. I think uh, uh, she's, uh, if you're a sponsor out there, and uh, she's loaded up with sponsors, but keep your eye on her. Um, She's got a lot of talent. Former swimmer, um, former track star, right? So she's got all the pieces. The bike uh, can be picked up and learned, and she's doing that for sure. She's smoking it on the bike, catching everybody. So, um, uh, and also, uh, really easy to interview and, uh, really, uh, uh, a clear mind. And man, she said some really Zen stuff too, didn't she? And, um, inspirational and a mom. 
coming from an age group or background, got family and all kinds of stuff. So very impressive. And uh, can, I can personally kind of relate to her because she's from uh, Southeast Texas, like I am. So we got kind of the same background. And so uh, that makes for better conversations because uh, we come from the same place. And so we can relate and then bring you, the audience, um, the important stuff because we can get past all the background stuff. So, yeah, thanks, Jocelyn. And I think that's it. I want uh, everybody to stay safe out there. Look forward to the next episode. Like I said, I'm going to cover the Bontrager shoes and the Trek speed concept. And I'm going to get a, probably another ride or two in. And uh, next episode is no interview. We're just going to cover uh, the Trek speed concept, what it, what it's all about. And um, not, not uh, so much on the Trek speed concept itself because... Um, you know, you you may be interested in a completely different uh, super bike. So more of what makes a super bike and what's going on with bike technology in uh, in this current market uh, today and over the next few years and kind of the past few years. So you know um, what to look for in a bike and what's important and um, what's not. And uh, yeah, that's the whole point of it because you know you may like a different bike the whole point is like i said with the shoes is to find a bike that uh, has the things on it in it with it that um, are important to you and what you want to get done so you can do things the way you want to do them right it's the how that gives you your art and your art of triathlon so all right everybody stay safe out there work the uphills cruise the downhills and please keep the rubber side down out thanks